What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Along with a man who was runner-up to Taylor Swift for the Time Magazine Person of the Year, Bill Calarulo, I am Rob Ellis. Welcome in, everybody. Hump day on this Wednesday. Hope you're doing great. What's up, Bill? How you doing? I'm doing all right, my man. Get to spend another three hours with Rob Ellis today. It doesn't get much better, man. Three hours of power, my friend. Yes, we are going to rock it today. That's for sure. we got a lot to talk about as I adjust the screen. Uh, a lot to talk about. What's up, everybody? What's up, Fat Dog? What is up, NJ Fishing Maniac? Brandon, South Jersey, D. Teresa, M. Reyes. I'll even give Niners all day a little touch. Uh, hope you guys are all doing well. If I missed anybody, my apologies. Hope you guys are doing great out there. Appreciate you hanging with us. And we get to the midweek, which is usually last week was different because we were on to the Niners immediately after the Bills game. But we get to the midweek. What's up, Devon? Um, and you start looking ahead. Timothy, what's up? You start looking ahead to what's next. And it's the Cowboys. I want to start with this question for you, Bill, regarding the Cowboys, because I want to jump in to the Eagles defense in a minute. We'll we'll dive into the Cowboys in totality and, and Eagles offense and all this other stuff. But I want to start with this because I think last week. Some folks let their emotions get in the way, and it's only natural when you're a fan, but I think some po- folks let their emotions get in the way when it came to this Niners game and team. What's up, uh, Marcus, Coach Marcus? What's up, Bry Guy? Jason? Brian? Um, Timothy, if I didn't get you already. Um, I think they let their emotions get in the, in, the, in the way a little bit when it came to the Niners game rather than looking at it objectively, which can be a hard thing to do. I, I get it. Are we letting the same thing happen with the Cowboys? What I mean by that is, Bill, uh, obviously we all have the, the cowboy hatred, or at least most of us who, who are, you know, thinking in, in, in our right mind 
uh, hate the Cowboys. But are we looking at it like, ah, they choke every year in the playoffs? Well, we're not in the playoffs. And the they have revenge on their mind because the Eagles beat them there. They've won four in a row. They've won 14 straight at their place. Are we looking at this game the way we should be with, with a discerning eye in your estimation? I'm kind of torn personally on this, Rob, because you look at Dak Prescott and you look at the Dallas Cowboys and they look so damn good at times. And really, Prescott's look good all season. But then I keep coming back to, and I hate making the argument of look who they've played, but look who they've played. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. They haven't beaten a team that currently has a winning record. So as good as they've been at home, and they've been good, and I'll, I'll give you some stats that I was looking up this morning that's blowing my mind with how good this Cowboys team has been at home, Mm -hmm. it's still hard for me because you do try to separate your emotions and your feelings from the game, and it's there's a couple of factors for me. It's who have they played, and then I keep looking at this Eagles team with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni and saying, look, I've never seen two guys and a team that have been able to battle back from adversity Jalen Hurts seems to show up in big moments for the last two seasons. He's the guy who wants the ball in his hands in those big moments. And this is a big moment Mm -hmm. Sunday night because of everything that just happened against San Francisco. We talked about the standings yesterday. So that's why it's I'm kind of torn because, yeah, the Cowboys are good, but they haven't really played anybody. And then you look at this Eagles team who just hasn't lost back-to-back games in almost two years. Right? Has it been two years? It's been yeah. It's been the basically with Jalen Hurts. It's been the early, it's been the earlier portion of the schedule. Remember they went two and five in in Sirianni's first year. Yeah, so it was twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. That was the last time with Hurts that that's happened. Um, that they've lost two in a row. I should say not it, but that that's what it was. So it's been, you know, basically two years, two two calendar years essentially. And Jalen Hurts in twenty twenty one is not the Jalen Hurts we've seen over the last two seasons. And I know he didn't have a great game against Mm -hmm. San Francisco, but he's still not the guy he was two years ago. He's a lot better of a quarterback. So I'm trying to separate my feelings because I always want them to beat the Cowboys, but it is. It's tough, Rob, because as good as Dak Prescott has been this season, he's also been really good against the Eagles and the entire NFC East as a whole his entire career. So it's – We all wait for Dak Prescott to turn into Dak Prescott. Well, he's never really turned into Dak Prescott against the Philadelphia Eagles. He usually has a good game. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm more in the – and everything you just said is totally valid in terms of they haven't beaten a team with a winning record and, you know, et cetera. That's all real. And, yeah, like, do I feel pretty confident that Mike McCarthy and Dak will figure out a way to screw it up in the postseason? Yeah, but we're not in the postseason. And it's in Dallas where they play extremely well. And there is a revenge thing. And there's absolutely massive implications as far as the standings go. I, I just think, and I look, I'm, I'm, I can't even look at things objectively when it comes to the Cowboys. I load them so much. So I'm not putting myself, you know, above anybody else, but I think this is a tough game for the Eagles. I do. Uh, I think the Cowboys are really, really good and on both sides of the ball, Bill. That's the other thing. If it was just yeah, either a great offense, which they're number one in scoring, then it'd be one thing, but they're fourth in points allowed defensively. So, and they have a, a, an absolute game wrecker in Micah Parsons. So I think there's a lot to be concerned with, with what's, you know, with this team period. No doubt about it. Offense and defense. You're right. And 
I do think their defensive coordinator is a really good coach. I've had my questions about Mike McCarthy, but I think Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator is one of the best in the NFL. So that makes me concerned when you're going up against Brian Johnson, who we've had our issues with to start this season. I think he's doing a better job than a lot of people give him credit for. But if I'm going Dan Quinn at D.C. or Brian Johnson as offensive coordinator, I think you got to give the advantage to Dan Quinn. He's been doing it a lot longer. Yeah, I agree. And it's 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 such an unknown, you know, with Brian Johnson. And it's really not fair to him either uh, in that sense that we just don't know right now, you know, what what it's going to look like. And you got to give the guy a little bit of time. And, Rob, how much do you love the city of Philadelphia? This morning, 730, there's fans <laughs> greeting all the coaches and players coming into the Novacare complex with a big sign saying, run the run ball. The ball. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. We we are special. We are a special lot. That's for sure. Um, all right. I, I want to talk a little defense out of the shoot with you, um, Eagles-wise. So since week seven, which they did a really good job, if you remember, against that Dolphins, you know, the vaunted, as, as Tone calls it, the best show on surf, okay, that vaunted uh, Miami offense. So since then, they're allowing 29 points per game, 306 passing yards per game, and 4.8 yards per rush. And that's either last or second to last in every single category. So when you hear that, it's not like it's a game or two. It's been trending wrong for for a decent amount of time. You know, it's not like they just played Miami. We're going back a little ways now from that Dolphin game. Okay. In fact, it's been one, two, three, four, five games since then, all right, which is a pretty decent chunk. Um, and and the pass rush, while not bad, don't get me wrong, it's not bad. It's not vaunted like it was last year. Do you see this improving, Bill, or is this what they are? They kind of have to live with it, and the offense is going to have to overcome it. What what makes those stats so much more concerning for me, Rob, is they also coincide with when Kevin Byard got here. Right. So you look at it, he was supposed to be. We're all hoping Shaq Leonard now is the savior. Well, when they made the trade for Kevin Byard, we all thought, okay, great. They finally got a safety now. Things are going to be okay. Well, they've been a lot worse since Byard got here. I'm not blaming Kevin Byard, but I do think that this is a lot of just what the Philadelphia Eagles are. They're going to be weak on the back end. Bradbury and Slay, which were supposed to be strengths of this team, I still think they're good players, but they've certainly taken a step back. They've gotten to that point in their careers where they probably have lost a little step. You expect it when corners hit the age of 30. They both are over 30. So I do think, are they going to be as historically bad as they've been over the last five weeks? Because what you didn't mention was they're only the fifth team ever through a five-game span, to give up 2,000 net yards, 1,500 passing yards, 15 passing touchdowns, and a 4.8 yards per carry average. Fifth team in NFL history, Rob. Yeah. So it has been historically bad. That's why I was saying yesterday, this isn't just a one-game overreaction. You know, people, oh, it's just one game. The 49ers, just one game. No. This has been now five weeks in a row, as you pointed out. So I don't think they're going to be historically bad. But if this team is going to want to win football games, they're going to have to do it by outscoring opponents with their offense. And there's also other parts of this thing. Like, and we we talked about this a lot yesterday, just to reiterate for for folks who may not have, have heard it, but they have the worst third down efficiency rate 
They have the they're they're twenty second in points allowed. They're thirtieth in passing yards allowed. Um, they have they're twenty sixth in takeaways, and they're thirty first in in passing TDs allowed. I'll give you one other one. Niners had three hundred and fourteen passing yards on Sunday. Two hundred and thirteen came after the catch. One hundred and fifteen of the one hundred and sixteen reception yards that Debo Samuel had came after the catch 115 of 116 the tackling was maybe as bad as you'll see it in an NFL game honestly I like I don't know if you go to a high school or 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 a CYO game and see tackling that bad it was horrendous and that's something that actually makes me a little bit hopeful for the future because you don't just forget how to tackle every single guy on that Philadelphia Eagles defense got to this point of their career where they're in the NFL and they're on an NFL field because they know how to tackle. You learn how to tackle in peewee football. So I talked about this yesterday. We had Seth Joyner on our show talking about tackling is an attitude. You have to want to bring that other player down to the ground. And I think when you get embarrassed the way this team was embarrassed, and we're not the only ones talking about how bad the tackling was, I think you'll see this team come out. And that's one thing they will definitely do better against the Dallas Cowboys is tackle. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think tackling – I also think the extreme in which the, the, the nature in which the loss you, you know came down, I think provides a, a, a checks and balances to fundamentals and a lot of different things. Like I think they, they probably got away with some stuff with wins – that they shouldn't have, but they did. And when you lose like this, I think it wakes you up a little bit. So I think there's incremental, obviously, fundamentally, they can be better tackling, and there's incremental things that they can do, little things that they can do, and the attention to detail stuff. I, I, I don't know that a lot of this improves a ton, other than maybe the tackling. Like, they don't cover very well, you know? And your linebackers, especially without Zach Cunningham, it'd be a little bit different if Cunningham was playing it, but he's not playing this week your linebackers just aren't up to, to speed and you're going to, and we're asking as you, you brought him up, you know, I'm not comparing him to Julio Jones in the sense that Julio Jones is by far on the back end of his career. And he's had a great career, but he's probably cooked at this point. But I remember a lot of people saying, Oh man, Julio Jones, like, you know, look out what he's going to bring to the table. And he's other than a one touchdown catch, he hasn't brought anything. Um, I, I don't know. I go back to the Colts. Why would you let him go? If, if Leonard could still play. He still had gas left in the tank as young as he is. He's not even 30 years old. I just, I wonder about that. It's, again, with the Kevin Byard, everyone, oh, Howie Roseman fleeced the Titans again. And I actually did a video when that trade happened. I said, look, he didn't fleece the Titans. This was a good move for the Tennessee Titans. They're going really nowhere. He's towards the end of his career, and they got something in exchange for him. But at least the Titans, when they gave up Byard, they got something back. The Colts got nothing. They got absolutely nothing. So I agree with you. I'm a little bit concerned, but we have to hope they did their homework. I think one of the one promising things was I heard Jerry Jones on his weekly podcast. He goes on. They definitely wanted Shaq Leonard. This was not something where Shaq Leonard went there and they, they didn't want to offer it to him. Jerry Jones admitted Shaq just wanted to go to Philadelphia. So he wished him the best and said he wanted to play in Philadelphia and he was upset about it. So mm-hmm. I thought that was telling that Jerry Jones admitted that. But the fact that two teams wanted him, probably a good sign. Well, okay. So that I agree with you there. I, I think the other thing that you can take solace in is, unless they're just really worn down, which they might be because they played a lot of snaps, 
I think the defensive line can be better in both phases. I think they can be better getting after the quarterbacks, which again, they haven't been bad. Okay. The, the other stats are really bad. They just haven't been as effective getting after the quarterback this year and bringing him down. But I think they can be better getting sacks and I think they can be better against the run. I mean, Bill, they're giving up a buck 62 rushing yards per game the last three games. You telling me you can't get that down to like a hundred or 90 something or whatever, and you can't, you know, raise your sack level from one or two per game to two or three per game. And that can make all the difference in the world. It sounds like a, these sound like little things, but they're not little things. So I, I think there is room for improvement. I don't think by the end of the year, let me put it to you this way, that we're going to be saying, wow, that defense just flipped it. And now they're one of the best in the league. We're not going to be saying that, but can they be serviceable? I don't know that that's asking too much. And we're going to break down the Dallas game later on in the show, but just look at what happened against the Cowboys the last time. They gave up a lot of passing yards, but the one thing they did well, held them to only 73 rushing yards, and that defensive line had five sacks. That's the difference in the game right there. Yeah. Because this defense is going to give up a lot of passing yards. It's just unfortunate the way the secondary is, but if they can get sacks and they can stop the run, that's why they're 10 and 2. No, agreed. Agreed. And I think that's the that's the thing. Can you make enough plays? The other area that that has hurt them a lot is takeaways. As I mentioned, they're 26. They're minus two. It's rare that a a team with a really good record like the Eagles have, it's rare that they're minus in the takeaway category and they're this low. They're in the bottom, you know, five uh, of the league. I don't know that I see that necessarily improving. Like, I don't know that all of a sudden the defensive backs or the safeties are going to start getting a ton of interceptions. I think what you have to kind of hope is there's some strip sacks involved and and you get the ball because that, that and that's tough because you never either give your your offense a short field or you're never getting six points on your side of the ball if it continues this way. And you look at that defense, one of the players that they let go, and we could talk about whether that was the right move or not, but Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, one yep. of the things he did do well was intercepting the football. Six so last year. You lose him, and now you're one of the worst teams in the league in intercepting the football. So that's a big deal. And you talk about this D-line a little bit. I just wanted to go back to it for a second. Because one of the things that was alarming to me, we talked a little yesterday about how many snaps – Josh Sweat is playing this season, and and is he going to wear down? Yeah. We always go into every year thinking, man, the Eagles have a lot of pass rushers. They have so much depth along that defensive line, and it's true on the interior. They have the D tackles for sure. They're really light at the edge rushing position. You have Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. Outside of that, BG played over 45% of the snaps last season. He's down to about 25% this year. and. We talked about it yesterday. They're not getting anything from Nolan Smith. They let Derek Barnett walk. What else are you getting from the edge? So There's not much else. That's a problem, especially with the way we like to talk about. Last year, it was great. You constantly had fresh bodies coming in at that DN position. Not so much this year. Are they getting worn down? It's it's an issue. Yeah, I I think what we're also seeing is there had to be some financial decisions made. And some of them are coming back to haunt them. Um, you know, and it's crazy because in the case of CJ GJ, I think he got seven million a year from Detroit. That just felt like they wanted him out of here more than it was too rich for their blood. Um, you know, TJ Edwards again, I don't know. He's from Chicago. Maybe that was, I don't, 
would you really want to go back home that bad and play for a, let's face it, even if in best case, they were going to struggle this year. They've, you know, they've been kind of a, a tire fire, but I mean, you want to leave a Super Bowl potential team and he didn't get a lot of money either. Like some of it doesn't make sense to me. I understand you aren't going to pay Hargrave 23 million or whatever the Niners gave him. I can live with that. And that has, I don't think because you got in such good interior play, you know, you've been okay there, but the, some of the, the other decisions are, have, have hurt them. It has. Yeah, the T.J. Edwards one we talked about yesterday, that bothered me. I thought they should have brought him back. Look, if he wanted to go to Chicago and there was nothing you can do, but I still felt like there were probably other options available out there. The linebacker position, it's not just the Eagles that don't put a big value on them. Eagles just undervalue them more than anybody else, but linebackers don't usually get a ton of money in the NFL. They're not getting paid like corners or wide receivers and certainly not like quarterbacks. So you could have found somebody else. But if T.J. Edwards wanted to go to Chicago, okay. But find someone better than the guy that the Chicago Bears just said, hey, what? We don't, we don't even want him. We're going to upgrade to T.J. Edwards, and they let Morrow walk. Look, they must have really put a lot on the Kobe Dean. They probably thought he was yeah. going to really take a step forward. It didn't happen, and now we find ourselves in this predicament. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, something like you said, something must be up with him because it's not just the Philadelphia Yeah, he Eagles. bounces quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. the Saints didn't really want him. They traded him late last season in the preseason to, to the Eagles. So something must be going on because he is a player when he's on the field. So there's got to be some things off the field that they don't like about him. It must be. I, I, that's the only thing I can figure, um, you know, with him. And then he took some pot shots as he was rolling out, which kind of tells you a little bit of something too as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're definitely – there's no denying – they're missing Edwards badly. You know, CJ GJ, it's hard to say because he got hurt so early for Detroit. But you know, you, you know what he brought to the table last year. And and one of the tough things about this season is because he's done for the year. We're going to go into next year having no idea what Nicobe Dean is. You know, even when he played, he didn't play well. But you know, he, in fairness, it's his first year really getting time in the NFL, non-special teams. And, and the question going into the, his whole career was, could he stay healthy at his size? And so far, the answer is no. And I'm not – look, it's too too soon to make any kind of, you know, finality, you know, in terms of decision-making with him. But I think they're going to have to really – as much as it goes against the grain of what they do, they're going to have to go out and get make, – make linebackers some type of priority, either free agency or draft. And I'm not talking first round because I know they don't do that. They haven't done it since 79 but relatively high. And you mentioned the draft. As as good as the Eagles have been over the last couple of years, I think you're starting to see that their lack of ability to draft good defensive players is kind of coming back to haunt them a little bit. Yeah, Been good the last couple of years. You got Jalen Carter this year who looks like an absolute steal, which yeah. was really a no-brainer at that point. I can't believe eight other teams passed on him. Houston had two opportunities to get him, right? But yeah, yes. eight other teams passed on him. But you, know, you look at some of these other draft picks over the years. Last year, Jordan Davis, I'm, I'm liking that pick. But then they go into Kobe Dean in the third round. We don't know what we're getting from him. Kyron Johnson, six-round draft pick. They picked in 2021. Milton Williams, decent pick in the yep. third round. Was hopeful Zach McPherson was going to do something this year. He goes out. Marlon Tupelodu, sixth round. Okay, he gets a few reps here and there. Depth Teron, guy, yeah. Teron Jackson, uh, Jacoby Stevens, 
Not no. even on the team anymore, I don't think. No. I don't even think they brought him back. No. Pat, Patrick Johnson, seventh-round draft pick. I think he's still on the roster, but I don't believe he does much. Yeah. And then you go back to 2020 year, and this is where they really missed. Davion Taylor, third-round linebacker, nothing. Kavon no. Wallace, safety, nothing. Yeah. Sean Bradley, linebacker, well, he's out for the year, good special teams player. But they've kind of missed on these later-round defensive players throughout the years and that's now coming back to haunt him and that's what made it even more upsetting with the tj edwards is he was an undrafted pickup that they they got and they developed and they developed him and they let yeah, him walk credit and, to them yeah and to put it into perspective we talked about you know his salary his annual salary 6.5 million to put that into perspective alex singleton is making six million in denver it's not like edwards got a ton of money that they could have brought him back. And even if he wanted to go back home, I'm sure if Howie Roseman wanted him here, they would have had him here. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, and, and and look, I think also um, identifying and drafting uh, defensive backs has been an issue for this team for a long time. It has. Uh, you know, Sidney Jones, you know, we could, we could go back, you know, whatever. They, they It's been a bit of a blind spot area for them, which they have to get better at. Uh, receiver was an issue for a while. They obviously got it right with Devontae Smith, um, but that was an, an issue for the, for a while with them. Rager. Was it? Wide exact. receiver was was an issue drafting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I think, again, my where I'm at with this is, can they get better? Of course, they can get better. Um, but I think for the most part, your offense better really be on point. They better really be good because if they're not – the Eagles will not get back to a Super Bowl. They, they, the, Eagle, the Eagles offense has to be – it can't be anywhere near 19 points. can't be anywhere near the the the, uh, the fits and spurts and the ups and downs that they've had uh, recently. It just can't happen. No, and I talked it when we opened the show about how they had to run the ball sign at the Novacare Complex. Well, we heard Sirianni press conference say, hey, we're going to commit to the run now. And now Brian Johnson at his press conference says the same thing hey, we're going to commit to the run now. So we'll see if they do it because there's another thing. We talk about being balanced and how that opens things up on the offensive side of the ball, but it also helps keep this struggling defense off the field. And I know Sirianni has said at his press conferences before, oh, we think we can compete with anybody. We don't worry about that. We don't worry about keeping another offense on the sidelines. Well, I think you should start worrying about that because this defense is struggling. And the best thing to do is to keep them on the sidelines. Yeah. If you're able to limit the possessions of the opposing team and limit the amount of time that your defense has to be on the field, especially against these good quarterbacks, look, Dak Prescott, good quarterback, putting mm -hmm. up great stats. Well, keep him on the sideline. Get these long, sustaining drives by running the football, putting up points, and limiting the possessions of these opposing teams. And you'll see all these statistics we're talking about on the defensive side of the ball drop simply because they weren't on the field as much. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right, let's let's uh, let's come back and we will dig into what the Cowboys are exactly, who they've beaten, uh, who they've lost to, record, how different they are. I know you have some great stats uh, you know, regarding them and, and playing at home against the NFC East, uh, et cetera. We'll get into all those kind of things. When we return, don't go anywhere. He's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you right now about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I've uh, been going there since I was a kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. you got Alex 
and the entire crew there each and every day uh, putting out the absolute best food possible. Uh, they have great variety, which is one of the one of the awesome things about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. 20 different styles of pizza, but they, they'll even go beyond that. They have specialized pizza however you want it. They also have slices to go, but pizza isn't your thing. Fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. Bravo Pizza of Havertown is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for little leagues, for schools, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at the Bravo Pizza of. They have daily specials and promotions there also. Uh, they're at 1305 Westchester Pike. Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania, 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810. Here's a little bit more from Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Yes, we are. Rob Ellis, Bill Calarola. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Please hit that like button if you could. Friends, all right. Uh, so let's talk some Cowboys here, Bill. Um, their losses. They lost at Arizona. They lost at San Francisco where they got smashed. They lost to the Eagles by five uh, back in week nine. Okay, so they're the three losses. All three have occurred on the road. They've won all their home games. Uh, they're nine and three. They've won four straight. They've won 14 straight at home. Uh, but as we talked about a little bit earlier, they have not beat a team, beaten a team with a winning record. Um, they beat Seattle last week, which then pushed Seattle to a 500 team. Uh, Seattle six and six on the season. So in terms of, I don't know what you would call quality wins. I'm, I'm, I don't know how you're going to quantify it, but quality wins, I guess you would go with Seattle uh, for sure. Rams, who are, you know, kind of in the same category as Seattle. Okay. Chargers are under 500. Giants are under 500, who they've beaten twice. Uh, the Jets are under 500. Washington's under 500. Carolina's under 500, et cetera. Y- you get it. Uh, they've they've been very good at beating the bad, uh, but they haven't had a ton of tests. And they have a couple of tests here to close out the season for sure, uh, starting with the Eagles on Sunday. Yeah, I think if you're the Dallas Cowboys, probably the best you played against a good opponent would have been in Philadelphia, even though you lost to the game. The offense played really well in that football game, put up a lot of yards, a lot of points, and they didn't really – not a lot of points. That's the one area they didn't do well, was not putting up enough points, but a lot of yards. And the defense didn't play that badly when you look at the final statistics, but it was one of those games where the Eagles figured out a way to win. You could say the Cowboys – outplayed the Eagles in that football game, but Eagles figured out a way to win, and that's what they've been able to do up until Sunday against the 49ers. But, yeah, I have not been impressed by the opponents at all that the Dallas Cowboys have beaten, but they do look good. I mean, it's hard to deny that when you watch them, they do look good. And, I mean, one of these stats that that blew my mind today was at home this year, they are a plus 151 point differential Mm. and I know you would say hey well look who they've played but that is the highest point differential the Dallas Cowboys have had at home since 1966 and you talk about some of these Cowboys offenses over the years with Michael Irvin and Emmitt Smith and Troy Aikman no this is the highest point differential they've had at home through six games since 1966 so I don't care who they're playing offense puts up a lot of points at home I mean, they're a plus 168 on the season. The only team that's even really in the vicinity is the Niners, who are plus 163. To put it in perspective, uh, the Eagles uh, are at plus 41 compared to plus 168 for the Cowboys. Now, the Eagles have certainly played a much more difficult schedule. There's no denying that. 
but it just tells you how well, but see, I, I think I'm leaning bill more towards the, I know they haven't beaten any real quality opponents, but I think they're really good. I do. I think they're really good. I don't, I don't think you're this complete across the board. If you're not like offensively, they're first in scoring at 32.3 points per game. They're 11th in rushing uh, 117 per game. They're third in passing 263.4 defensively. They're fourth in points allowed at 18.3. They're fifth against the pass. They're just consistent. Um, are they great against the run? Eh, they're 11th. I mean, this top, you know, top half of the league, it might be an area that you could attack if you choose to, if you're the Eagles. Um, but Prescott is putting up monster numbers. The thing that's impressive about him, it's not so much even the 3,200 yards. It's the 26 to six touchdown inter- interception ratio. And it's also completing 70% of his passes and a 108.3 passer rating. Like the, the one thing that had always been an issue with him when he got himself in trouble was the turnovers. And it was last year. He hasn't done that this year. That's been cleaned up. He's improved that part of his game. So, and as you mentioned, career-wise, always very good against the Eagles. Always. And especially there. Eagles haven't won there since 17. They haven't won two games in a season against them, sweeping them since 2011. So Mm -hmm. it's not easy to win both games against the Cowboys. That's why when we get the schedule every year and we do that kind of stupid exercise where we go through win, loss, win, loss that everybody does that means nothing. You never usually say they're beating the Cowboys twice. We always say, oh, they're going to split with the Cowboys because it hasn't happened in 12 years. Mm -hmm. But what's crazier when I looked at all these numbers and all these statistics is we talked a little bit about for the 49ers game, hey, the Eagles have to get out to an early lead. Well, you look at this Cowboys team at home. They had not trailed for a single second at AT AT&T Stadium until that Seattle game. Oh, my God. It's been amazing. And you look at it, they've been leading for 234 minutes at home. They've had the lead. They've been tied for 51 minutes, and they've only trailed 28 minutes, and it was in that Seattle game. It's amazing how dominant they've been, and they've gotten out to early leads quickly. So not only for the fact that it's the Cowboys, I do think for the Eagles' psyche as well, after coming off of a game like they just had against San Francisco, it'd be great to see them get out to an early lead. I know they don't take the ball if they win the toss. I agree with that mindset. But it'd be great if they don't get the ball. Hey, a quick three and out for Dallas. Let's put up a touchdown, not a field goal, a touchdown and take an early lead because I think that can really change not only their psyche, but you've seen Dallas isn't used to playing from behind. And two two other things to to watch for. I mean, CeeDee Lamb comes in this thing. He's already got 90 receptions, Bill, for, for you know, eleven more than 1,100 yards, almost 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns, 13.1 per catch. And the guy who's really developed and, and really turned into, you know, a go-to piece for Dak, and, and you've really seen him sort of emerge here, is the t- young tight end, Jake Ferguson. His, his numbers aren't going to stun you when you look at them. He's got 46 catches for 498, but he's got five touchdowns. Uh, which is tied with Brandon Cooks for the second most receiving touchdowns. He's really blossomed into into a guy, and and Cooks is getting better as the weeks go on here and becoming more incorporated into their offense as the weeks go on. And not sure you knew this, Rob, but the Eagles don't do very well against tight ends. <laughs> so that's been a problem. I haven't heard that. Yeah, and, and you look at the game in week nine, Ferguson, seven catches, 91 yards, 
and he's now played three games in his career against this Philadelphia Eagles team. And in three games, he has 12 catches, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. And he didn't have any touchdowns in week nine, but had a good game, seven for 91. It's going to be an issue. And look, C.D. Lamb, he's going to get his yards. He's just that good. He's going to get open. But I would love to see Sean Desai have a game plan where it's, hey, we're going to make someone else beat us. They do have other weapons. They do. But don't let it be C.D. Lamb. He had 11 catches for 191 yards in week nine when we all said going into the game, be careful for C.D. Lamb, and you let him put off almost 200 yards. So I'm hoping they have a better game plan this week. And they they haven't run the ball great. Like they've been okay. You know, Pollard's been solid, but but not you know not going to knock your socks off necessarily. He's got 737 rushing yards, which is you know again pretty good, 4.1 yards per carry, and he's found the end zone five times on the ground. But he's averaging 61 yards per game. He's been okay. I mean that like to me that should be a a running offense that doesn't run all over you. Uh, you, this should be a week where the Eagles don't get gutted on the ground like they have the last three games. So if that becomes the case, make Dallas one-dimensional, and this is where your your defensive line has to come in there and make plays and force them into mistakes, force Dak into mistakes. He did it. Let even though they lost that game last year, Dak threw one. I remember it was a pick six by Sweat uh, in, in that game. You know, relatively early, and I actually thought the. You know, it's funny about that game. I thought the Eagles played pre- – I think it was Christmas Eve. I think it was the game. It but, definitely uh, was Christmas Eve because it messed up our seven fishes on Christmas Eve. I got the big Italian family, and instead we're all huddled yeah. around watching the Eagles blow that lead they had against the Cowboys. Yeah, you thought it was messed up last year. Wait, wait, wait do we get to uh, Christmas this year, my friend? Because they're yeah. playing on Christmas. Uh, yes. Uh, but I, I thought they actually played okay. It was really a game where I think Quez Watkins killed them. There were three plays that he could have made on the ball, either breaking it up or catching it, and you know, turned into interceptions, and they lost. So my point is, the Eagles played him pretty tough last year. I know the Eagles were operating at you know at a higher, you know, capacity last year than they are this year, but um, yeah, I mean, you look at they they've they've torn the Giants apart. <laughs> Not that that's saying much, but they beat the Giants eighty nine to seventeen. You know, if if you ex- ex- exclude the Eagles, they've outscored the NFC East this year one thirty four to twenty seven. So they, they, they're good at beating up on the bad teams. Yeah, and I think this says more about their opponents than it does about the Cowboys. You look at the last four weeks, they were close to double-digit favorites in every game. Even the Seattle game, I think they were a nine-point favorite at kickoff. They were a double-digit favorite against the Commanders, double-digit favorite against the Panthers, double-digit favorite against the Giants. And like I said, less about the Cowboys, more about the opponents. So we'll see. They're going to have to do it against a good team this week, something they haven't been able to do yet. But you talked about the running game for Dallas. I was surprised how much they missed Ezekiel Elliott this year because you saw his yards per carry really dip off last season. I think he averaged under four yards a carry last year. But simply having that power back on the inside allowed Tony Pollard when he would come in as that change of pace back to really be able to pick up some chunk yardage, and now without Zeke, it's just not working as much as what we saw last season. And that offensive line, outside of Tyron Smith, isn't th- isn't that great on the edges. I mean, obviously, you got Zach Martin, who's one of the best, and even their other guard, um, um, Tyler Smith, their yeah. other guard's pretty good. But their right tackle, Steele, not a very good 
pass blocker, in my opinion. So I think you saw that in the first game. Eagles were able to get five sacks. So this is a week where hopefully they can generate pressure. And their center's not that great. So you talk about Jalen Carter and Milton Williams and Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox getting interior pressure. But there was another stat, and I'll pull it up later, but Dak Prescott's very good when you allow him to get out of the pocket and make plays. He's good off schedule. He is. Very good. And one of the greatest things that the 49ers did against Jalen Hurts, and you heard Nick Bosa talk about it after the game, they didn't even care about making the sack. They just wanted to make sure they kept Jalen Hurts in the pocket, didn't let him get those schoolyard plays where he breaks out of the pocket and makes a play down the field. Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, and whoever else is in, Nolan Smith, Brandon Graham, need to be disciplined this week. They cannot get sucked inside and allow Dak Prescott to get outside the pocket. So if they can maintain their lane and let your D tackles, Milton Williams and Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, get that interior pressure, I think that could go a long way to forcing Dak to make mistakes. But the moment you see Reddick or Sweat crash inside and Dak gets outside of them, we're in trouble. Yeah, I, I, you know, the other thing, too, like, I know they they played a decent amount of snaps, but and they probably hit some form of a rookie wall. But man, I I need I need Carter and Davis to push through it. Like they this can't be trending wrong with them. That that is such a critical area for them, you know. And you know Fletcher's older; he's played a lot of snaps. The young guys need to come through. And but can I just re- quick reminder in the chat? Um, not going to tolerate the language. The, the 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 all the other stuff that's going on that we talked about before, like just stop, just stop with the nonsense in the chat. You will be extracted from the chat if you don't. Oh, it's stop. getting heated. I didn't even notice. It's, it's not heated, heated, and it's not a knock on us. It's people kind of going back and forth, but the, like some of the stuff is just ridiculous and over the top. So anyway, um, but those two oh, need to push through, man. They and Rob, push speaking through. of the chat, I don't know if you noticed our man Twiz, yeah, rocking the San Francisco logo and on his profile. Yeah, he lose a bet. That's what, what I asked him on the Power Hour. I said, Twiz, what's going on, man? You didn't convert, did you? He lost a bet, and he's got yeah. another one going this week where you may see a Cowboy star if the Eagles lose. So, oh, Twiz, God. stop making bets, man. Yeah, Quiz, Quiz, stop, man. <laughs> we don't, Quiz, we, we don't need it, dude. We don't, or Twiz, we don't need it. Like, stop, stop. Yeah, get out of this. We don't need to see that logo. We've seen, we've seen enough of that logo this week. Um, well, the other one is they've generally, Bill, and tell me if you disagree, done a pretty decent job against Micah Parsons, generally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know what kind of issues this guy can provide, you know, bring to the table. If you look at it, he's got 11 and a half sacks. He's got 42 tackles. He's got 13 tackles for losses, two pass defense, forced fumble and a fumble recovery. Like we know what he can bring and, and he, what he's capable of, but much like Nick Bosa, different players, but much like Nick Bosa, they generally seem to have a pretty good plan and do a decent job. I I'm not, trying to jinx anything here. You know, the next thing you know, he'll be going bananas and having five sacks, but they've done a pretty good job against him. Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at some of his numbers. So it didn't feel like it, but he did have a sack and a half against them in week nine, but I thought they actually did a nice job shutting him down, but he did have a sack and a half. Looks like on Christmas Eve last year, zero sacks. Yep. Zero sacks in the first game last season. 
So, yeah, they have done a nice job. He didn't play in the Week 17 matchup of 2021, and then I'm just looking at what he You can throw some of those games out, those late games. You know, yeah, and then a half sack yeah. um, in his rookie rookie year. So, yeah, but it does feel I, – I didn't even realize he had a sack and a half because it didn't feel like he made a big difference in that game against the Philadelphia Eagles. But Eagles' offensive line, we just saw it. They did it against Bosa, like you said. I mean, yeah. th they do a good job against really good pass rushers. We saw the same thing against the Rams, Aaron Donald. When they have a good defensive lineman, whether it's an edge or a D tackle, Jeff Stoutland and that offensive line are good enough where they scheme something up where they're not going to really wreck a game. And like you said, knock on wood, it doesn't happen this week. But I don't – I'm not as worried about Micah Parsons this week. And I do think you'll see the Eagles, as good as the Cowboys' defense can be, I do think we'll see the Eagles put up points. Yeah, the issue is just going to be on the other side of the ball. Can they figure out how to shut down Dak and C.D. Lamb? That's the big question. I don't see two weeks where this offense does not play well. And they didn't play well last week. And I, I got a chance yesterday to watch the All-22. I don't know Excuse me, if you did as well, Bill. But the, one of the takeaways I had from it was I thought the Eagles' O-line – pass protection was good. Um, I don't think they blocked it up well. There weren't a lot of opportunities, too, in fairness to them. But I didn't think they did a good job in the run game. I really don't. Um, but I'm encouraged by what I saw, believe it or not, from pass protection. I, I, My initial thought watching it was Jalen didn't have as much time. I actually think Jalen did have a decent amount of time. I, I don't think – I know his numbers are okay. I don't think Jalen played well. I do not think Jalen played well. He did not. It was not one of Jalen Hurts' best games, and he did. He had an eternity back there at times. It wasn't on the offensive line pass blocking. They didn't do a good job run blocking, but they also didn't get a lot of opportunities either. I mean, that's that's the problem, and it was frustrating hearing Brian Johnson talk at his press conference because it's something that we all say where Brian Johnson acknowledged, hey, you know, sometimes – you're not averaging a lot of yards per carry, and then you get that one long 30-yard run, and now it changes everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we've been saying. Right. Stick to the damn run because you have a guy like DeAndre Swift who has the capability of hitting a home run every time he touches the ball. So if you give him 15 carries, maybe he gets stopped on 10 or 12 of them. But you know what? Those three big carries he gets of 30 yards – it's going to be a game changer. Total difference. Total difference. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You had, whether it was Jalen not, I know he got a tush-push touchdown, but I'm talking about Jalen, you know, getting out and getting loose a couple of times. You didn't have that. You really had no rushing attack whatsoever. You were a very one-dimensional team uh, in a lot of ways uh, in that game. Here, Here's some uh, positives here from Jeff McClain. I think we kind of knew this part of it, but Dallas Goddard expect, expected to play Sunday from what he's hearing. Also, it looks like Zach Cunningham with that hamstring should be ready for Sunday as well. Man, that's really good news there. I mean, you get Cunningham back and then you add some depth with Shaq Leonard. That's yeah. that's big. That is really big news. Yeah, you said earlier that Zach wasn't playing this week. I thought yeah. maybe that had come out, but that's great if if Cunningham can play. I always get nervous with the hamstring though because we've seen guys come back from it and then they play a couple of snaps and then you see them come up lame. So let's hope that he's fully healthy because with that hamstring it's not something you want to mess around with but man I wouldn't mind seeing Cunningham and Leonard as your linebackers behind our defensive line and the secondary now is healthy so now it's it's time for these guys to start playing there's no more excuses so we will see and 
real quick, jumping back to Jalen Hurts, he had on average in the San Francisco 49ers game, 3.85 seconds was his average time to throw. That is a long time in in the NFL. So wasn't the offensive line, wasn't Jalen Hurts' best game. Give credit to the 49ers. They did a great job. Their defensive scheme was really good because I loved what they did on the D-line saying, hey, we don't even care about getting the sack. We're just going to maintain our lanes, contain Hurts in the pocket, play a zone defense, and try to take some things away. But, hey, it's very rare Jalen Hurts has two bad games in a row. And final stats, it's hard to say he had a bad game, but it wasn't his best game. Yeah, numbers, that's where numbers, I think, can be misleading a little bit. Like, he without did not play that well. And Yeah, yeah I agree. Doubt. I agree. Like, to have that kind of – if you're an offensive lineman and you look at those stats, you're like, we did our job in pass protection. Like, yeah. we, that's we can't do much better than that. I, there were a couple opportunities that I saw where – uh, he didn't throw one to stole. There was another one, I think it was Calcaterra. And then there were, I'm trying to remember what the other one was. It might've been Zacchaeus. He had a couple of those guys open. I don't know that there isn't a massive, I think there's a little bit of trust level with those guys. I think he's the danger of having such good receivers in AJ Brown and Devante is it's almost like you don't trust anybody else. And that's one of the things I think that he needs to be a little bit more willing, at least if those guys are in the game, if they're open, pull the trigger. And he, he hasn't been doing that lately. And I hate even bringing this up. I said it on the Power Hour before this show that I hate giving this guy any airtime with the ridiculous comments. But we're talking about Jalen Hurts. Did you see David Carr? On the yeah, NFL I was going to get to that, but let's do it now. We might as well do it I now. Mean, I, I, I was – Losing my mind this morning on the power hour, basically saying this is what pisses me off. When guys say things simply for clickbait and simply to have that quote unquote hot take, David Carr is a guy who's given a platform, a really big platform on the NFL network. And you sound like an absolute moron when you say the Philadelphia Eagles would be better off benching Jalen Hurts for Marcus Mariota. Yeah, it's so if the so the way he started it off, it, it made me think he was going down the road of, hey, I don't think he's healthy. Shut him down, get him healthy. Like he and he did kind of dance around that, but then he goes into these areas like, you know, Mariota is the best option right now. If Jalen were were crawling, I'd want Jalen out there rather than Marcus Mariota. And it tells me a couple of things. He didn't watch him play at all in the preseason when Mariota stunk out loud like to the point where you're like oh my god is he gonna make the team it was that bad he's also underachieved his entire career be it in Tennessee or be it with the Raiders and you'd think he'd know that by watching his brother with the Raiders all those years but he's he looks to me again if you're just begging for clicks and viral reaction and guys like us talking about it kudos David Carr you won because we're doing it but if you if that's really what you think I question every word that comes out of that guy's mouth from here on because he has no idea what he's talking about none it and it it's upsetting because it's not just us talking about it it's everywhere now today david carr said this david carr yeah. said that and you know it, it's very frustrating but it's a similar to when i talked about it on my show this morning people in the chat were saying oh it's like chris sims last year saying things about jalen hurts and then continuing to stick with it but You're right. Clearly, David Carr is just not watching the game because I would tell you, if Jalen Hurts did need to go down for an extended period of time, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Right. 
Eagles may be better off with Tanner McKee than they are with yeah. Marcus Mariota. Here's the other the other thing that's a tell for people. When they put something out there like that and then th- spend about two to three hours defending the stance the way that they did with everybody on social media. And what, I, I was on the air last night as it, as it, as it went down. Yeah. You know, I was on WIP last night as it went down and I'm now I'm monitoring as, as I'm doing the show, you know, David Carr's interaction. Right. And it just screamed of, I know I just said something stupid, but let me just double down on it with everybody. And that's what he did. I mean, he yeah. essentially for hours doubled down on it and he got hammered from all fronts. It wasn't just, fan reaction or Philly reaction to it. It was other analysts like, dude, are you serious? Like you can't be real with this. And the other thing is the other part of where I think there's just fault in, in the, in the whole thought is I'm not telling you he's a hundred percent, but he looks way better now mobility wise than he did four or five weeks ago. And I thought he actually looked good in the bills game and they called some, you know, design runs for him. Yeah. His first scramble in that Buffalo Bills game, I turned to Mark Farzetta. We were watching the game down at the Ocean Casino for the game day shows here on Jacob. And I said, man, that's that's the best Jalen's looked all season. He looked spry. He looked quick. And you saw it again in the Niners game. He looks like he's able to move. The issue in the Niners game wasn't because Jalen was hurt. He just didn't have a good game. He didn't do a good job of reading the zone defenses that they were throwing at him. So, yeah, it was... It's less I'm getting angry at David Carr because I'm saying he's just saying things to get clickbait. It actually may be worse than that. He may just have not known what the hell he was talking about. Right. <laughs> I mean, that may be what makes it even worse because you're given this platform and you're not prepared. I know. Yeah, I don't I honestly don't know what's worse. Are are you just trying to be that guy to get no did you have a discussion with a producer who said, Hey, listen, your analysis is fine. We need you to say something crazy because these yeah. discussions happen, trust me. Uh or if you really thought that, like if your football brain is telling you that, I'd say that's probably worse. Like you're a sellout if it's the former, but you have no idea what you're looking at if it's the latter. And you're David yeah, Well, he says, and then I do want to get away from this because it's pissing me off, but he says, Jalen isn't comfortable reading through a defense in a drop back pass scenario. Some would say he's not even good at it. It's like, dude, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. Jalen put up historic numbers throwing the football in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, 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 again, right. The, to, to even, like, to go that he can't read defenses, he can't handle himself from the pocket. It, it's all, it was all the stuff that was sort of thrown out there when he was coming out of college, which he's proven. He's dispelled all those myths. He really has. <laughs> I and liked, it's, uh... it's, it's lazy on top of everything else. It's a I lazy like take. Michael Robinson, who was on with him, former Seattle yeah. Seahawks player, immediately was like, Philly, I didn't say this, Philly. I didn't yeah. say this because he realized, like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I wish the – and again, I didn't um, I didn't watch the cut beyond after he said, you know, they'd be better off with Mariota, whatever. I hope somebody jumped him on that panel. I hope somebody had the guts to really jump him instead of just letting it go. Like I, I, I saw Mike, Michael Robinson was kind of playing the like, Whoa, you know, routine, but I wish somebody should have really pushed back Adam on it. I don't know that that happened. No surprise here, but Mike Florio, who Sims works with his article about it was 
Well, Carr's point does carry a yeah, it's, plausible it's nuance. Like, yes. come on, dude. There's nothing it. plausible about that freaking point, Mike I Florio. Know. I know. Uh, yeah, I know. I, it's 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 ridiculous. All right, we're going to come back, and we will get a little bit into the offense and, and what they can maybe do to put Jalen in a better spot to succeed, namely, you know, some of the running uh, issues that they've had of late, uh, getting Swift a little bit more involved. But, yeah, the the I think there are – with everything that we just said – it, it's not that Jalen shouldn't be called on the carpet for certain things. He's got to be better too. Like uh, he does. So we'll get into all of that. When we come back, don't go anywhere. That's Bill Colarillo. I'm Rob Ellis. We are sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. Jim Murray and principal financial group are the people that you should trust with your finances, with your hard earned money. Um, they have done an unbelievable job, not only for me, but all their clients. Um, and, but I can tell you from a personal experience that, I had a hard time finding the right person uh, to invest with. And, and Jim is absolutely spectacular, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you have a small business, you're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. He's on top of everything. Uh, and he's always looking with one eye forward here to, to put you in the best position to, to succeed, you know, um, and whether it's, you know, for you, any of those issues, but I know personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You could also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Welcome back in, everybody. That's Bill. I'm Rob. We're your sports take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. It would not work if you could, uh, or if I could speak. Uh, if you could, please hit the like button. Uh, we would appreciate it. That's for sure. All right. So I thought it was interesting, Bill, that Nick Sirianni copped to the fact that they need to do a better job with the run game. Uh, staying committed to it. Uh, design. Uh, you know, the whole nine with it. Because it has not been there. It certainly wasn't there uh, last week. If you look at it, the 11 carries by the running backs in the game last week, Swift had seven rushes. He had zero rushing attempts between the end of the first quarter and the third quarter. Um, who's that fall more on in your estimation? Is that more of a Sirianni as the, you know, sort of grand overseer of everything, if you will, Brian Johnson in game. I mean, there, there may have, I don't know what goes on design wise leading up to the game. Is it maybe a, the Johnson gets away from it if it's not popping early or whatever, where does, where does the fault lie in your estimation? We talked a little bit about it yesterday. I mean, I think it's a 50, 50 split between the two of them, but maybe even 51% on Sirianni just because he's the head coach. He's an offensive coach. He's involved in the game planning, and he's on the headset. It's not that difficult to go over to Brian Johnson and say, hey, man, it's been two quarters since we gave the ball to DeAndre Swift. Maybe get him involved a little bit. I mean, it's not hard to see when you're watching these games, and Sirianni's right down there on the headset talking to Brian Johnson every single drive to get the ball to your running back. So I think as the head coach, you could easily tell Brian Johnson, that you want him to run the football more. So it seems to me, and it's telling to me, that maybe Sirianni's mindset is he doesn't want to run the football. And he did make a comment. I don't have the exact quote, but he made a comment in his press conference saying that, you know, sometimes the long long drives with a bunch of short plays can be even more difficult because, you know, you're more prone to making a mistake or something where he was trying to justify why they want those big hitters. And, And I get it. You want those big plays if you can get them but I saw I was watching NFL live yesterday and Dan Orlovsky does a nice job he was on and they were looking at what a lot of teams have done differently this year against the Eagles from a defensive perspective and they're running a lot more too high safeties to take away the big plays they're not running a lot of single high safety looks so that's not allowing them to pick up the big chunk plays as much as they did last season. So when you're in a too high safety look, it's not professional football. I mean, you would learn this in high school, then run the ball. Yeah. You know, if you've got two, two high safeties who are off the football, and you run, just have less bodies in the box. Exactly. I mean, it's just a numbers thing. So, 
you know, I don't – that's why I do put – if I'm putting blame, I would say 51% on Sirianni because he is involved in the game plan. But Brian Johnson is the one calling the plays. They could both be doing that. It's – you know, and look, last time they played the Cowboys, I will give them credit, DeAndre Swift had 18 carries in that game. And it wasn't like he was having a lot of success. I think he only had 43 yards on the ground. So he wasn't picking up a lot of yards per carry, but they did stick with the run. And that's what I just want to see them do is even if it doesn't look like it's working on the stat sheet, it is still working by committing to the run because it's at least keeping that defense honest and not allowing them to just put their ears back on the D-line to come after Hurts and all drop back into coverage on every single play. Uh, let me give you something real quick here. So uh, from Tom Pelissaro uh, of the NFL Network. So Dallas head coach Mike McCarthy experienced abdominal pain uh, this morning that warranted further evaluation, resulted in a diagnosis of an acute appendicitis. Oh uh, he's having surgery this afternoon. He is expected – God, there, you get out in the, the same day. Expected to release later today uh, and anticipates coaching on – on Sunday, you, you get out in a day now after after an appendicitis. Interesting. Um, so anyway, uh, he expects a coach today. Dan Quinn, Brian Schottenheimer, and John Fossil, the coordinators, will want will run practice at least today, and you know potentially tomorrow as well. But that's man science. You're out in a day from from yeah. appendicitis. Beautiful. You know what's interesting, Rob, is I just went to Google Mike McCarthy and looked at you know some news, thinking that that's what would pop up. And I must have missed this story yesterday. There's all types of stories out there that is being reported that Dan Quinn is going to remain in Dallas because it's Jerry Jones' plan to fire Mike McCarthy and hire Dan Quinn as their head coach. Interesting. I don't know if I'm buying it. I, I don't know. I, I mean, Jerry is pretty loyal, but he's not getting any younger. And if they don't go deep in the postseason – I think anything could happen for sure. Um, Who's to Tony Pauline is the one reporting this. Tony Pauline, consulting editor and NFL draft and analyst at Sportskedia. I don't know who that is. Okay. Okay. But All that's right, who, well. who's reporting that. Uh, I don't know. Consulting editor, lifelong. My, I don't know. Led Zeppelin fan, it says on his Twitter. Not Zeppelin fan. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Robert Plant is going to coach special teams next year. Maybe, maybe Jimmy Page gets some, gets some yeah. work. As offensive coordinator, but yeah, you I mean, never know. It's so easy to break news now with all these social media platforms. News, you never know. Yes, a lot of rumors broken now. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but no, interesting. But that's uh, that's a quick turnaround. No, I mean, surgery today, coaching, standing for three and a half hours. Maybe, maybe he's up in the booth. I don't know. Be interesting. Um, he calls the plays too. So that's he does. That was the big that's one of the reasons why Kellen Moore is not there anymore. So Brian Schottenheimer is the offensive coordinator. You mentioned Dan Quinn, who's a very respected defensive mind, who had some suitors last year uh to leave. He stayed. I'm sure Jerry's paying him quite well. Uh and then John John Fossil, who's an excellent special teams coordinator. That that shouldn't be overlooked, also. Like Dallas's return game is very good. Punt blocking, like they're that's another area that probably won't be talked about a lot this week, but it, it's something to watch out for. Turpin is a real good returner. That's a that's a good special teams unit they have. Yeah, he is a really good returner, scary returner. But I have to give credit where credit is due 
to Michael Clay, special teams coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, because that was not a coach that I wanted to see them bring back. And I thought the only reason they brought him back was because Sirianni didn't want to have to replace all three coordinators. It's crazy. I think they were the first Super Bowl team since the 94 Niners, I believe it was, who had to replace both an offensive and defensive coordinator after losing in the Super Bowl. So I didn't think he wanted to have to replace all three. So I thought oh, that's the only reason Clay's coming back. But Michael Clay's done a great job. That's been one area of this team where you haven't really complained. And you mentioned it yesterday on the show, Rob, about how we were all worried about that special teams unit all season long, and it yeah. came back to bite us in the worst possible moment, Super Bowl 57. They've been great this year. They really have. I agree. I think, first of all, uh, Covey's been a very good punt returner. Uh, Braden, Brandon Mann, Braden Mann, has really settled in as the punter and upgraded that position in a big way. And Elliott's a monster. So, yeah, they have been a much improved props to, to Michael Clay. He deserves a lot of credit. He does. Um, yeah, man yeah. has man has been been really good. And I know we all wanted to upgrade from Aaron Sippus. So Sippus actually became kind of a friend of mine because I told you I golfed yesterday. Well, Sippus joined my, my golf club, and I, I golfed with him a couple of times. He gets cut from the Philadelphia Eagles. His work visa only let him stay in the United States for 30 days, so he had to get shipped back over to Australia. Oh, man. And now I believe I believe he's three games shy of qualifying for the NFL pension. Oh. <laughs> so it was like, oh, man, you know, like this is a ruthless business. We needed to upgrade at the punter position. Sorry, Aaron, you're out. Oh, that's rough, man. Oh, yeah. that's terrible. I mean, he's got to be – frankly, he's got to be rooting for some injuries and some guys to just really – stink it up and he, he can get his three games in the rest of this year yeah, you know it's, it's tough but i'll tell you man so he's gone he's in australia now he's in australia and he could bomb the ball it was actually it was jake elliott that kind of got him into golf because jake elliott's an absolute stud, yeah, scratch, like, golf. scratch golfer yeah. and he got sippus kind of into golf but sippus could bomb the ball man really you good. if you it's my general what i've generally found is if you play against a, a former professional athlete or a current professional athlete even though they, they don't dedicate a lot of time to golf off the tee, they can absolutely rake. I mean, bombs, yeah. you, you know, Ben Davis off the tee, Phillies broadcaster. Yeah. Insanity. What this guy can do off the tee. I played with some flyers, man. Hockey players too. Yeah. Crush the ball. I actually went up to a charity event. I played with a couple of New York Islanders. Uh, Zizekas. I don't know if you know him on, oh, on yeah. the Islanders and he didn't always connect. Slice it sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, man, right. when he connected, it yeah. was monster drives, monsters. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. I've seen it. All right. So you mentioned, and this is again, this can't, this has got to be, you know, reiterated a couple times during, you know, certainly today and tomorrow and Friday. But Hertz had 3.85 seconds versus San Francisco. That you're rarely ever going to get that. And especially when you consider how good San Francisco's defensive line and linebackers are. It's really an incredible job that they did, uh, the Eagles' defensive line, in protecting him in the passing game. But this is this is something they have got to get ironed out, straightened out this week, where he's either getting it out quicker or trusting others besides AJ and Devontae uh, to to have success. Because that's or he's got to take off. There were like three plays. The one where he fell is the obvious one, but there was another one where he just obviously held the ball too long, and. 
it, it you know, it kind of rem- brought me back to the Wednesdays. And I know, yeah, you know, I'm not comparing them as players, but it did. It brought me back to that for a minute. He, he has to. He has to get rid of the ball. You you look at the the Eagles on offense, and as good as their offensive line is, they're 21st in the league, giving up 32 sacks. And I don't put that on the offensive line as much as sometimes it's it's Jalen Hurts just not getting rid of the ball. And and I respect it. I know that's part of his game, extending plays and making plays downfield. You've seen it, and it's been great at times. But you also got to know game situations, and he took one of those sacks in the red zone early in that game. You just can't do that. You can't take that sack and basically guarantee your team only three points you're not getting. You're not getting a touchdown because you've set yourself so far behind the chains. And I've also seen that's frustrated me with Hurts at times is he'll get outside the pocket. And we all know the NFL rule. When you are outside the pocket, you can throw the ball and get rid of it as long as it's past the line of scrimmage. You don't even need a receiver in the area. And he'll just go out of bounds and take the sack instead of throwing the ball away. Yeah. That I that frustrates the hell out of me. I don't get yeah, I don't get that either. Even if it's only two or three yards, it's why are you doing that? You just gave up two or three yards, just throw the damn ball away. So hopefully he'll be better this week. All right. This one I'm I, I am absolutely laying this one at the at the feet of coaching. Um They've averaged 6.7 points per game in the first half of the last three games. It's unacceptable. Uh, again, you you over you were able to overcome it against Kansas City and Buffalo and kudos and all that, but enough already. Enough. They had six points last week, seven and seven consecutively. That's what they've had the last three weeks. You're clearly not scheming this up well enough, period. Now, you could look back and say Jalen doesn't stumble. They get in the end zone as opposed to the field goal, uh, whatever. You can lay that at the feet of the of the player too, I guess. But man, that's whatever it is, it's not good enough. It's not. And that was one thing that they did so damn well last year is they had what the best offense in the second quarter last year. Like maybe ever. It was that dominant. Yeah. And and it's we saw how great that was last season that when you would go into the have. You'd be up big. You know, you would have a good lead because you just dominated the second quarter. And the fact that six points, seven points, seven points. And look, I guess you could make some excuse. It was a short week against the Bills. They were coming off a Monday night against Kansas City. I think Sirianni said, hey, I had to sleep on my couch last night. Maybe that's the excuse. But you had two weeks to prepare for the Chiefs game. You know, the Chiefs, you, you were on a bye. I know the Chiefs were as well, but you were on a bye and you schemed up seven points in the first half. So it's it definitely has to be better. And I talked to you earlier about that stat with the Cowboys at home, how they've rarely had a play from behind. Offensive scheme better be good. That game plan, those scripted plays better be good early because this Eagles team has to come out to an early lead, not only because of the Cowboys, not only because of how much they've played ahead at home, for their psyche, we cannot – go down to this Cowboys team after what just happened to the San Francisco 49ers. I know they've come back before. We saw them come back, what, four straight games at half? I don't think they do it this week in Dallas if they go into the half down. Yeah, they've been trailing five straight games at the half. It's going to be like last week. If you're down again at the half, uh, you know, last week was only eight. I think it was 14 to six at the half. But you, you keep doing that against these kind of teams. Dallas is the number one scoring team in the league. It, it, it's going to snowball on you, and it's going to look very similar to last week. I'm telling you, it, if they don't come out with a better effort early, you know, and and it's hard. I, I'm not really going to kill the defense. They gave up 14, which wasn't the end of the world. 
but we saw really after those first two series that it, you know e- both sides of the ball were, were being outclassed at that point and the Niners were able to do things and move the ball and the Eagles weren't on on the offensive side but it is funny how little things can change the face of a game entirely defensively if sweat isn't in the you know neutral zone that's four less points and and, and it looks a lot different if you know Eagles are able to get at least one touchdown it, it's probably a 10-10 game at halftime and that bothered me. I, I'm going to make it an excuse a little bit for for Josh Sweat. Like I, I played football, high school, college. When you line up in the neutral zone early in a game like that, you usually get the benefit of the doubt from the ref, where they'll yell, "Back up nine four, back up nine four. Right? They got to give you. They a do lift. that with receivers still. FYI, they will always do that early in a game. Now, look, if that's like the second or third time he's lined up in the neutral zone, they're probably going to throw the flag without giving you the warning. But I felt at that moment, that early in the game, the ref should have given him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to yell. And look, maybe he did and Joshua didn't hear it, but it didn't look like it where he's just, hey, nine four back up. And, and that one bothered me. I know sweat has to be better, but really you usually get a little bit of a warning from that ref. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that too. I, I also just look at, and I get you can't have guys lining up in the neutral zone every single play, but like, I don't know, it didn't even impact the play. It, it was it was just really frustrating. And it, I still didn't get a good angle, by the way. Did you? I, I I didn't. No, the angle they showed on TV it was questionable of whether he was even in the neutral zone. Yeah, and that's why it was even more frustrating. And you know, I see people in the chat saying, "Don't be petty." That's not why they lost. I know they got oh, dominated. It's definitely not why they lost. No. They got dominated, but that one just bothered me that they threw that flag. But hey, talk about penalties real quick. The one area that the Eagles do have a big advantage over the Cowboys is Eagles have been pretty disciplined this year. Talking about penalties, penalties per game five point four, which is seventh in the league. Yeah, Cowboys. 31st in the league in penalties, seven and a half a game. So, well, uh, all right. So, good. I'm glad you brought that up. I and mean, this isn't necessarily a penalty thing, but it's something we talked, you, I think you and I talked about yesterday. As good as Deron Bland is, and he's got eight interceptions and he's returned five for touchdowns, incredible. He will get burned. I think AJ Brown and/or Devontae Smith, whoever he lines up on, will have success. Now, you got to be careful with them. And he he's a guy who generally, if it gets near him, he's going to get it. But I'm telling you right now, th- this is a guy who can get, who will be beat. I, I think they'll have success if they target him a decent amount. You just got to be you got to be smart about it. But you target him, you can have success. No doubt about it. I mean, they th- you saw what Seattle did. I mean, Seattle targeted him, and they put up a lot of points and kind of exposed him. Talked about the O line given Jalen Hurts a lot of time, this would be a perfect week to run a double move on the outside with A.J. or Devontae. And this is, we talk about Brian Johnson, and some people have issues with Brian Johnson's play calling. This would be a perfect opportunity where early in the game, you run a play where your receiver maybe runs a slant or an out route, and you come back to it later in the game, third or fourth quarter, run the exact same look but this time Jalen pumps it, double move, and you're going to have Deron Bland. This is what he loves to do. He loves to jump those routes and try to pick the ball off. So let's take advantage of that and use it, hopefully, on a big play. Yeah, it doesn't seem to me, um, you know, and again, a lot of this stuff is window dressing, right? Pre-snap stuff. But you see, you don't see a ton of motion with the Eagles. You don't see a lot of that sort of eye candy stuff. 
that a lot of other teams do, like uh, Jacksonville does, Miami does. And, and, and again, maybe that's just Nick's personality and, you know, what Brian prefers to do in that, or it just works better for them offensively. But I, I don't know, man. I mean, they, they, they've been a pretty good scoring team all year, but I would like to see something a little bit different. I, you know, just shake this thing up a little. Yeah, and, and listen to this, Rob. I just pulled up on Pro Football Focus. In that game against the Seattle Seahawks, they targeted Deron Bland 12 times. He gave up eight catches, 169 yards, and two touchdowns. But he also had an interception. Yes. That's what he's going to do. He's going to give up a lot of yards, but he will get an interception if you don't protect the football. But that's interesting. Yeah, eight catches, 169, two TDs. And it wasn't just DK. A majority of it was. DK Metcalf put up three catches for 108. But Jackson Smith, Najigba, three for 35. And even Tyler Lockett got in the mix, two for 26. And a lot of yards after catch, both Najigba and Metcalf had some yak against Bland. So hopefully the Eagles can do the same thing. Yeah, I I, uh, I definitely think that the I think the, the if you haven't watched a lot of Cowboys games, you look at it, and you say, "Oh my God, look at the amount of interceptions for that guy." But if you if you really have dug in on on somebody, it it, it reminds me a lot of uh, of Diggs. Diggs was a guy who would get a lot of interceptions, had a lot of pick sixes, just like Bland did, but he got beat a lot. You know, they're they're very much home run hitters in a lot of ways. It's amazing the Cowboys had. Trayvon Diggs go out for the season, and they basically have the exact same corner in Deron Bland. It's incredible. And I'm just going back to week nine. Eagles targeted Deron Bland five times. He gave up three catches, 43 yards, a touchdown, no interception. So didn't really take advantage of him, but certainly put up enough yards to, to win that football game. He gave up two first downs and a touchdown. Those were his his three catches that he let up. So Wow. Interesting. Uh, all right. Baseball wise, a couple things, a lot of rumors out there that the Phillies are, are signing Jock Peterson, uh, that he will come in and maybe provide a, uh, a platoon, uh, you know, uh, situation for them, uh, brings in a, a left-handed bat who can certainly hit home runs. Uh, we know that much. I, I would have probably gone the route of a righty who was a little bit more of a hitter, as opposed to a free swinger like Jock Peterson personally. But that's, that's again, well, if we get any word on that, with that becoming official, we'll let you know. Looks like Juan Soto going to the Yankees for boatloads of prospects. So that that's, we're getting some movement here in the, uh, in the baseball winter meetings. It's been very, very slow. Yeah. Any uh, rumors on uh, where Reese is going to sign? Chicago appears to be a favorite, but nothing, you know, set in stone, but that's the way it looks. It looks like, um, it looks like that's where he's headed. It looks like Chicago uh, would be the fit for Reese. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the Phillies bring him back just because of you know, how much we all love Reese. There's just sure. there's nowhere for him to play. No. You know, when, when you got Bryce playing first base, there's nowhere for Hoskins to play. And that there was a report earlier in the offseason, but it looks like that was simply a rumor that Phillies were interested in moving on from Castellanos. Uh, I wouldn't be totally opposed to that. I'll be honest with you. I'd be okay with that if they did, uh, depending on what they do. But he still has, I believe, three years left at 60 or 75 million. He's getting 25 or or 20 per year. So he's got a good amount of money left. Uh, for a guy who's up and down, I mean, if you look at, at the end of the day, he had good numbers last year. 
but he is streaky and it's an every other year thing with him. So he's due for a down year. We'll you see. talk about, talk about streaky. I'm not sure I remember ever watching a player be as hot as he was in the postseason to then as cold as he was in that NLCS. I forget what the final stats were. I talked about him when it was closer in time, but he was like 0 for 16 or something to finish out that NLCS. And and, and, it, and it just futile swings, man. Oh, he, his, he chased everything. I mean, it yeah. was just obvious what they were trying to do and how they were pitching him, and he just couldn't lay off the pitches low and outside. But, yeah, but it looks like he's probably coming back. I think that was, was just a rumor. We will see. But yeah. like anything else, this team – They'll frustrate the hell out of us, but then we'll fall in love with them all over again. Absolutely. You know that. All right, let's uh, let's come back. We'll hit a bunch of different things. Uh, I, I want to get into the surprises in the NFL, both good and bad. We'll do that. And, and off of the David Carr thing, who are the most trusted football analysts for you? I want you to think about that, Bill. Does and Rob Ellis, are you eliminated? Other from than me. I'm, do we, you, you can't count me in this one, but other than me, who are the most trusted football analysts? Everybody in the chat, I want you to jump in as well. People that you really, you hear them, you're like, okay, I believe them. Not unlike David Carr, who you're like, oh my God, is this really happening? So we'll hit it real quick, come back, and we'll discuss that as well. Bill Calarulo, Rob Ellis, we are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time to talk about pro-action restoration. All right, you have a home, you have a business, you have a property. You go through the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage. You know how trying that can be. I went through it personally uh, a couple of times, but of late, uh, I had I had water damage in my basement. ProAction came out. They figured out what the problem was. They fixed it. They're handling all the contract work. That includes drywall. That includes paint. That includes a new carpet. And they are in the process of doing that uh, for me. And it's it's been a smooth, seamless uh, operation. That's for sure. Uh, they are uh, licensed, bonded, and fully insured. And they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction Restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. That's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jake Sports YouTube Network. All right. So I see a lot of folks reacting um, in the chat to this one. And I asked you before we went to break. (laughs) These are kind of like the anti-David Cars. The people that you actually trust (laughs) and believe uh, what they're saying in terms of their analytics. I don't mean like analytics numbers. I mean, guys who were uh, their analysis, I should say, uh, breakdowns of the NFL. So for you, give me give me a guy that you you trust and you 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 know enjoy listening to or watching. I really like Dan Orlovsky, and it, it surprises me because all I think about when I think of Dan Orlovsky was when he ran out of the back of the end zone for the safety when he was the quarterback right. for the Detroit, Detroit Lions. But the guy has turned out to be a really good analyst. I like the way he breaks down film, and unlike David Carr, where you just say things, every time Orlovsky talks. He backs it up with film. He'll show you some film. He'll show you how they're doing different things. And he's a really knowledgeable guy. He does a nice job. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of his. Uh, I actually think he's very good. I he I think he really puts the work in uh, with with the film, and it's pretty obvious from the stuff he's showing. He's not just sort of like half-assing it. Like he's really dug in and watches a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think he, when I watch him, I learn things, um, and I pick up on some things. I think he's very good. I agree with you. He's one of the guys I had on my list. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm shameless plug here, but we've had him on the show before. But Brian Baldinger, I think, is absolutely awesome. Baldy's breakdowns are fun to watch. Uh, you're going to get a lot of interior defensive and offensive line stuff, which is fine. I mean, he, he was an offensive lineman. Um, but I just think Baldy's another one. He, I know for a fact he lives in the film room at NFL Films. He's got his own office there. And the guy is in there first thing Monday morning cranking it out. and I, I think he's really good. I think he's really good. So I'm I'm a Baldinger guy as well. Yeah, I agree. He does. He does a great job with the line, showing the different things and different matchups. And you mentioned it yesterday, how good the breakdown was he did of Lane Johnson and Nick Bosa. Oh yes, no question, no question. That was excellent. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, I was I was watching a lot of that actually yesterday. I'll give you another guy who I think is really good. I think Lewis Riddick's excellent. Lewis Riddick, he used to be in the Eagles front office, right? He was. He was in the Eagles front office. He was in the Browns front office. Um, played in the NFL. Played college ball at Pitt. He's, he's south. Uh, he was from, I think, Montgomery or Bucks County. He's in uh, South Jersey now. But uh, he's very, very good in his analysis. And he's got a great feel for everything because he did the, you know, he was a front office guy, as you mentioned. So he gives you. He walks you inside some of that process uh, for what personnel people go through. Yeah. Yeah, there's a guy, not necessarily an analyst, but we talked about him a little bit earlier on the show, is I love reading Ruben Frank's things. Ruben Frank does a really nice job. He's been doing a nice job for a long time. And I just love reading. He does that in, those instant observations he does after the game. Rube's observations. He does a he does a nice job. His articles are really well written. Yeah, Ruben Ruben comes up with stats, and they're not just me. They're ones that really grab you. And I reference them a lot on on our show here. Yeah, that that really uh, again uh, are the type that make you think. Um, and he, I think he's excellent at what he does. And he's been covering the team for so long. He also has great historical perspective on things. He, he can really, really put that, you know, put things in perspective, I think, comping it to today. Yeah. And keeping it local, I see a lot of people in the chat are saying Seth Joyner. Seth does do a great job, does a great job here on Jacob Sports. And what I just love about Seth, and people mentioned it in the chat, is he is never going to back down, man. When he does something and he says something, he's sticking by it and he's going to go in and we saw it this week. Yep. Made that comment about Darius Slay. Slay retweeted it. Seth's not backing down, man. And, you know, even you, Douglas, retweeted Slay's retweet. There was a bunch of retweeting going on. And basically was saying, yo, you know, you got to respect those who paved the way for you, man. Like, yeah. you know, look, if, if I say something and Darius Slay wants to make a comment about me, I get it. You know, Seth Joyner, you're talking about a Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Famer. Just just take it. Get better. Seth can say whatever the hell he wants. He's earned it. Yeah, and, and it's not only that, like, even if even if you disagree with this point, like, coming off a loss like that, where and Slay didn't play well, but that's the other thing. He did not play well in this game. Um, you just you just lay low, man. Yeah. Just just work on getting better for the Cowboys this week. It's not the week to yap. It's really not. And it 
you know, he, I, I get it. He's a, he's probably, I think he's 30, you know, whatever. Uh, he is, yeah, 31 ish, 32. He didn't see Seth play. I'm sure. Uh, but it, so there's also a little bit of a like disrespect, like, ah, oh, the old timer, you know, like enough already. Like, dude, respect guys, like you said, who, who paved the way. Speaking of Seth for a second. So I, I had Seth on my show when I asked him about Eric Allen. We talked about it yesterday. You know, should Eric Allen make the Hall of Fame? Is there ever any buzz about Seth Joyner making an NFL Hall of Fame? No. Um, and it's wrong because he's another one. If you look at his his numbers essentially across the board, meaning QB sacks, tackles, interceptions, fumble recoveries. I mean, you, you talk about a complete three-down linebacker. I, I It's another one. I, I Bill, for the life of me, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I know he finished his career uh, with Denver and Green Bay at the end as, as more of a kind of special teamer when he was done after he – so he went from the Eagles to the Cardinals, and then the last couple of years, you know, he wasn't quite the same guy. Anyway, but his time with the Eagles and Buddy and Bud Carson – were remarkable. I mean, statistically remarkable. Yeah, he, he won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, right? He did. Yeah, so, he won one with the uh, Packers. So I do my my legal hands to the face show every Monday. I had Seth on, and I usually do an Eagles trivia question to finish out the show. So this one had a little bit of a Seth Joyner spin on it, is the 2020 club. There's not many NFL players who are members of the 2020 club, meaning 20 sacks, 20 interceptions, but there are three Eagles on that list, one Seth Joyner. You know the other two? Uh, the other Eagles who are a member of that list? Um, yeah. Brian Dawkins. Dawkins, that one's an easy one. The third one was tough because I didn't realize he was as good as he was. Give you a little hint, he did play with Seth Joyner for a short period of time. Um, Wes Hopkins? No. Willie T. Willie Thomas. Willie Thomas was was good. He's not in the category of you know potentially Hall of Famer, but he is. He's yeah. a, he was a very good player. Yeah, Seth has fifty two sacks, twenty four interceptions, twenty six forced fumbles, nine fumble recoveries, and five defensive touchdowns in his and, career. Guy was and, an eighth round pick back when they had you know more rounds than they have now. Two hundred and eighth overall. Stellar uh, career. Keeping the golf theme, pretty good golfer too. And he, he likes to play. Yeah, he does. He, but that yeah. picture, you know, that that picture is iconic that you have Seth Joyner, Reggie White, Eric Allen, Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown. I mean, w- what a picture wearing that Kelly Green something and they all have those awesome 90s box cuts going. Yeah, the fades. Yep. Yeah. Great great picture. Great team. I I mean, look, I was a little bit too young. I remember it. I remember watching that team and watching Randall with my grandfather, right. but I still couldn't appreciate it. I couldn't appreciate what I was watching because I was just a little bit too young. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, um, it, that, that was a special time. It's a shame that team couldn't do more. It really is. But they hey, got screwed uh, in the fog bowl, right? They did. So in the fog bowl, it was, um, Eagles and the bears, buddy Ryan going back to Chicago was a big deal. Bears are still really good at that point. They were a couple of years removed from the super bowl when they won it, when they just dominated everybody. And the Eagles went in there and were really outplaying them. And it, but it got to the point with the fog where you literally couldn't see, like if you're watching it on TV or you're looking from one sideline to the other, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. So the NFL and in their infinite wisdom decided that they were going to just 
suck it up and play through the game uh, rather than shutting it down. It was a warm day. It was New Year's Eve in Chicago, and it was an extremely warm day, and all the fog came off Lake Michigan, and it just engulfed Soldier Field. The game should have never been played, long story. It should have been either held till later in the day, played the next day. I know TV stations and the networks didn't want that, but that's that should have been. The Eagles got jobbed in that game. It's a shame. No way that happens in today's no. TV world. No. Nope. Nope. No. I mean, that was 89, 88, whatever. It was a long time ago, but it would never happen now. It absolutely would never happen now. All right. Let me follow up on something. So the Jock Peterson thing uh, uh, not happening now. Uh, he posted a a photo. This is what started this rumor. Posted a cool, uh, according to Todd Zalecki, cool, funny photo of him and the Fanatic on IG, but it doesn't mean he's signing with the Phillies. They haven't even talked to him that offseason, this offseason. So here we go. Yeah, this is uh, part of what you deal with here. Uh, yeah, so no Jock Peterson. I'm glad, by the way, Bill. I don't think they need Jock Peterson. They don't need that type of, they need a righty, a contact righty. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Someone who's not going to just keep strike out this feast or famine mentality that they have right now. Correct. That's that's the last thing actually they need. Um. So yeah, there's that. All right. Um. I, let me throw another guy in there who I think is good, who maybe doesn't get as much notoriety. Daniel Jeremiah is very good leading into the draft. If you're a draft guy, he's excellent at breaking down prospects, and he's got a real good eye for quarterbacks as well. And I'm a fan of his on the NFL Network. So, Dan- yeah, Daniel Jeremiah does a good job. Uh, there was another guy that used to do a good job on the draft, and then he got hired by the Raiders, which was Mike McCoy. Mike Mayock. Do- Mike Mayock, excuse me. Mike mm-hmm. Mayock, local guy. I think yeah. he grew up in, like, Abington or something. He grew up in West Philly and Haverford. He went to Haverford, uh, the Haverford, Haverford School. Yep. Yeah, so he used to do a great job, and then the Raiders hired him. And I went to – Merrill Reese owns a radio station in Bucks County called WBCB. WBCB, and Merrill does a, a show every Tuesday. And I went out with Merrill once, and they had Mike Mayock as his guest. And it was one hour of just pure gold content. I mean, him and him and Merrill talking, it was just pure gold. And I don't think the people at Chickies and Pete's were appreciating what these two guys were talking about, two legends, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mayock does a good job. Jeremiah does a good job. It's always fun around the draft with all these guys. It's still amazing to me that Mel Kuyper is like the, the the gospel of the NFL draft. And the guy's wrong more than the weathermen are wrong. <laughs> but it's just funny. He's just you know, – it's a staple. The NFL draft and Mel Kuyper. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, Sirianni speaking uh, right now uh, to the assembled media. Yeah, some of this is obvious, but he says we need to do a better job on third down and uh, a red zone. Uh, sounds like there's going to be, according to uh, to Elliot Shore Park, sounds like there's going to be an emphasis this week and changes could be coming in how they attack those situations. I mean, they need to make changes you know, for sure. Um, he confirmed basically, barring any setbacks, that, that Goddard will be playing uh, this week, which you know we kind of knew. He, he was pushing to play last week uh, and they didn't let him. Uh, on the red zone and third down defense, that's unacceptable on our end, working hard to make f- changes and fix it. Okay, so there you go. Uh, acknowledgement, at least, that those areas have not been good. All right, let, let's uh, let's dip into the biggest surprises here This thus far uh, in the league. Biggest surprises. Let's go with the good first. Give me a couple good in your estimation, and then we'll go into the uh, you know the bad side of this thing. 
to me, the biggest surprise for the good would have to be the Houston Texans. I mean, you're talking about a team that's been notoriously bad. 3-13 and 13 last year, they got a first-time head coach in D'Amico Ryans, a rookie quarterback that, again, talking about the draft, there was all those rumors coming out. Oh, C.J. Stroud's going to fall down the draft board. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. Clearly, that was misinformation being put out there. So I think C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, and the Houston Texans have to be the best surprise from the NFL. I would concur uh, I, I 100% on both fronts. Uh, the, the way that um, D'Amico's turned that thing, a, a really unstable organization around. Their GM's done a nice job, too. They have drafted extremely well. He was very uh, aggressive in draft night and ended up getting Stroud and getting Will Anderson. And Will Anderson's really starting to come on, uh, by the way. But um, – I think I think it's amazing, you know, what they have done, uh, the Texans and Stroud. Stroud is in the, you know, he isn't going to win it, but he's actually in the MVP conversation, and he's certainly going to be Rookie of the Year. Uh, that much is for sure. All right, I'll, I'll stay in the South. I got to talk about the job that Shane Steichen's done with the Colts to have them at seven and five, having lost Anthony Richardson. Having gone through, remember all that drama with Jonathan Taylor? I know they got it straightened out, but it was a mess early. He's dealing with a very, I'm being kind here, eccentric owner, you know, in Jim Irsay. Um, and, and I think it really just shows, goes to show two part of the issues the Eagles have had. They miss Shane Steichen, who was excellent at his job. And he's carried that over there to, to Indy and with very little talent has done an awesome job to have them at seven and five. I mean, he, they, they're right there with the Texans on both seven and five right now. Shane Steichen, you're right, great coach, was an excellent play caller for this Philadelphia Eagles team. They're missing him. Brian Johnson, we knew we were going to go through some growing pains. And it's interesting because I don't think the Indianapolis Colts would be 7-5 and five and be in the playoff contention if Anthony Richardson didn't get hurt. And that's not a shot on Anthony Richardson. It's just we knew he was raw coming out of college, got all the talent in the world. But I think you would have seen a lot more ups and downs from Anthony Richardson than you're getting from Gardner Minshew. So I'm not sure if you're the Indianapolis Colts, they probably, in hindsight, would say, hey, we, we don't want Anthony Richardson to get hurt. It's bad for his development. But I also don't think they would be 7-5 and five if Richardson didn't get hurt. So that certainly helped Shane Steichen having a veteran quarterback who right. wins a lot of games, man. Minshew wins a lot of games. Well, here's the other thing, too. Um, you know, usually in that league, if you, I, I, and there's – a couple of examples over the years, but I'm saying for the most part, you get to your backup quarterback, you're done. Your season's over. You write it off. Smart move, taking Minshew with him, a guy who knows the system. You know, we know he wants to be a starter in the league, but he's probably like a four a guy. He's not quite a starter, but knows the system is going to step in there. He's a, he's the kind of leader that guys like to play for. He's very fiery. We know he's eccentric. He's a wacky guy and all that, but you know, that was a that was a really underrated smart move by Steichen, bringing in a really good quality veteran. Because even like if things didn't work out with Richardson early, if he needed time, you could have plugged uh, Minshew in there. Yeah, I was kind of surprised after they drafted Anthony Richardson that they very quickly named him the starter. I thought you would have seen him at least start out a couple of games behind Minshew, but they did roll with him right away, and yeah. he looked good. He, yeah. he looked decent in his first couple of games, but, you know, unfortunately. But, yeah, Minshew, man, he is an eccentric guy. I remember being out in Philadelphia one night when he was on the Eagles, and you know, you're at a place where you're not really wearing shorts. People are kind of dressed up, and Minshew comes in, 
at first I didn't know who it is. I'm thinking, who the hell is this guy? And I realized it was Gardner Minshew wearing jean shorts, like short shorts. Shorts. Yeah, jean shorts. Yeah. With the handlebar mustache, man. He is a character for sure. Yeah. Um, that is yeah, he's he's done an awesome job. All right. So I would put those two in that category. I give the other one, and I know they've lost two in a row. But I think Kevin O'Connell's done a nice job in Minnesota. You know, he's been dealing with no Kirk Cousins and no Justin Jefferson. And if the season ended right now, they're in. Um, they would get in. So I, I I will tip my hat to him in, in Minnesota. He's done a solid job there uh, with a lot of moving parts. I mean, you, you talk about arguably the best receiver in football. He's been without for a very long period of time. And whatever you think about Kirk Cousins, the guy puts up numbers and he wins during the regular season. So he's done a nice job there. Yeah, no, he definitely has. He definitely has. I don't, I'm always so confused with this Vikings team because even last year when Cousins was healthy the whole year. They win a lot of games. You know, they win a lot of regular season games. They just yeah. haven't been able to do it in the playoffs or repeat that performance in the playoffs. But hey, if you're a fantasy football player, Kirk Cousins is a great fantasy football quarterback because he puts up so many yards. But I'll give you one more good surprise for me. All right. Has been the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Because look, we saw the disaster they were last year. Yeah. And then Sean Payton. I think if he could go back, wouldn't have made those personal comments about Nathaniel Hackett. That was a little unprofessional to talk about the ridiculous head coaching job Nathaniel Hackett did. But looks like Sean Payton was right in what he said. He just never should have said it. And then the way they start the season, get dominated by the Miami Dolphins in historic fashion, putting up 70 points. I wrote them off. I, I thought I they too. were they were done. I thought Russell Wilson was done. I thought, oh, here we go. Another retread coach, Sean Payton. He's not going to be able to duplicate his success. But, look, I don't think they're going to do much this season. Maybe they get into the playoffs. But I have been surprised at how they've turned their season around over the last few weeks. I, I agree, too. I mean, you talk about a team that started off 1-5, and five, uh, who, who's now 6-6. Six and six. That's pretty impressive. Um, so, Props to them, uh, for sure. Props to him. Hey, pretty funny. You referenced earlier the signs at 7.30 this morning saying run the football outside of the Novacare complex. So Nick Sirianni said that they – he goes actually brought coffee out to those guys uh, this morning. and <laughs> said, yeah, we do need to run the ball more. Perfect way to handle that, by the way. Perfect. Um, all right, bad. I'll start with this one. Um, the Bills being 6-6. Six and six. And I know they've had a lot of injuries on defense. I get it. But this is, this is not a team that should be 6-6. Six and six. They, they Minimum, 8-4. and four with the talent that they have. So it has not been good enough on a lot of, a lot of fronts for the Buffalo bills thus far this year. I agree with you. And I really thought that they used Ken Dorsey as the scapegoat and they shouldn't have. I didn't think that the Buffalo bills struggles were because of their offensive coordinator. It was because of Josh Allen's turnovers. And I guess you could blame the offensive coordinator for that. But at the end of the day, it's quarterbacks got to do a better job of protecting the football. They were top of every offensive category when Ken Dorsey got fired. They were in the top five or top ten of almost every single offensive category. It was more of just Josh Allen not being able to protect the football. And the game they fired him after wasn't an offensive coach's fault. It was the special teams coach's fault. They had 12 guys on the field when the other team missed the field goal. But, yeah, I'm surprised that they're 6-6. Six and six. It'll be interesting to see if Sean McDermott survives this offseason if they don't do anything because – that Buffalo Bills, they're, they're starving for a championship there, man. They, they're not satisfied with just making the playoffs like they've done the last few years, and this was supposed to be the year they finally got over the hump. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, all right, so uh, a couple others. Oh, well, give me yours. Give me yours. Where, where are you so, at? 
for, for me, and again, keeping it in the AFC, Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, I, I know they're without Joe Burrow now. Their backup played great the other night. But who saw that coming? The way they came out this season, I know Burrow hurt his calf in, in training camp, but this was a 12-4 and four team last year. This was a team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago. And even with Joe Burrow, they really struggled to start this season, and I was shocked by that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, same. I, I um, th- That's the thing. Before he went down early in the season, they weren't playing well. Then they caught the rhythm a little bit. One of the game- teams they beat, you know, where the where the 49ers, they smoked the 49ers. But then they lost that in another game. He gets hurt. And uh, I don't, Jake Browning, he, either he's, you know, going to just come out of nowhere and be that big, you know, good, another good surprise here. Or he just had the game of his life Monday night. He was, he was nothing short of spectacular. Yeah, he, he was good. And you know, you, we've seen it so often in the NFL that these defensive coordinators are so good that sometimes you see quarterbacks, young quarterbacks or backup guys come in and have a good game or two. And then now there's tape on them and these defensive coordinators figure out what they're not good at. And then they completely exploit them. You're seeing a similar thing going on in Minnesota. You mentioned Kevin O'Connell with, you know, Josh Dobbs comes in, has a couple of good games. And now it looks like defenses may have been able to figure him out. It's just crazy how good these coaches are. Uh, Sirianni said that, uh, Shaq Leonard spent the, the entire day yesterday with the coaches trying to get caught up. Tuesday's generally an off day for the guys, but obviously he's trying to get up to speed on the defense. So he's, he's going to play get this week. He's I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any way he doesn't play. I mean, if you get Zach Cunningham back and you have him, you know, whether it's depth or however you, you know, you want to utilize him, you're way ahead of the game than you were going into last week's game. You know, that much is for sure uh, at the linebacker spot. Um, all right, I'll throw a couple others at you. These are like the usual suspects. The L.A. Chargers, 5-7. and seven. Yet I think again, their coach is terrible. I think he's terrible. I thought they should have got rid of him last year. I should They, they should have signed Peyton. They blew it not doing that. But once again, here we are, 5-7 and seven with talent, and they never live up to it, the Chargers. Yeah, I sometimes I think coaches get blamed when it's personnel. In this situation, it is coaching, in my opinion. You're right. They have so much talent. They have a great young quarterback. They're good on defense. I watch some games. You know, we don't get to watch a lot of these Chargers games, but sometimes they get a lot of play on red zone. Yep. And you see some of the decisions that Brandon Staley makes as a head coach, and you just sort of think, how is this guy still an NFL coach? Yeah. He's losing them football games. There's, there's no doubt about it. It seems like there's all our surprises are in the AFC because my other one, keeping it in the AFC West, is the Kansas City Chiefs. And yeah. I, I, know they're, I know they're still 8-4. and four. I know they still have a shot. They have a shot every year with Patrick Mahomes. But what I find so surprising is that Andy Reid, a guy who for years in Philadelphia ignored the wide receiver position, and you saw what happened when he finally gave Donovan McNabb a wide receiver with T.O., they go to the Super Bowl that year. You then go to Kansas City. You had Tyreek Hill. Even last year, I know they didn't have Tyreek Hill, but they had some more playmakers on the outside. They go into this season with really a B list of wide receivers, and you're seeing it hurt them. It's the reason they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. They don't have the weapons to go with Patrick Mahomes, and they're just not the Kansas City Chiefs that won the Super Bowl last year, and I don't even think they're close. Yeah, the offense, is it's amazing how they've dipped. Uh, all right, I'll throw a couple out. I'll give you two uh, NFCs here. I, I didn't think they were going to be good 
Don't get me wrong. I didn't think the Panthers would be 1-11 Frank Reich fired before he even finished his first season. Bad. Like, like train wreck, cover your eyes, cover your ears, you know, look the other way and get the, you know, the fetal position. Bad. That's what they've been. They've been horrendous. I figured they'd be like, uh, you know, a five or six win team. They may not win more than one game and they don't hold the, have their own draft pick. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah, that that's the craziest part is that they don't have that draft pick and you know, sticking with the Carolina Panthers, Bryce young. I know he's only a rookie, but you've seen, especially lately in recent years, rookie quarterbacks come into the league and they're a lot more advanced than they used to be. These colleges run a lot more pro style offenses. You expected Bryce young to be a little bit better or a little bit farther along than he is. And it looks like, the difference between him and C.J. Stroud is massive, how much farther along C.J. Stroud is. And another team that I didn't think was going to be good, but I didn't think they'd be as bad as they are, and that's here in the NFC East, the New York Giants. Mm -hmm. I did think they won a little bit with smoke and mirrors last year, but I thought they had a really good coach. I thought Brian Dable, I said to myself, man, the Giants finally got it right. Joe Judge was a disaster. Ben McAdoo was a disaster, but they finally got it right, bringing in a guy like Brian Dable. And you mentioned what the Dallas Cowboys have done to them this season. I know they've had injuries now at the quarterback position, but they've surprised me with how bad the Giants are. I mean, look, we're, we're Eagles fans. We're looking at the last two games or the two of the last three games and being like, oh, okay, they'll beat the Giants both times. Mm-hmm. Didn't expect that. I agree. I agree with you 100%. All right, so uh, I'll throw one last one in there, and they can change this easily. But I thought Seattle be better than a 500 team right now. Six and six. Now, they're not to the degree of these other teams where they've underachieved, but I thought they'd be better than they are right now. I, I you know, I, I thought they'd probably be a, a eight and four team instead of a six and six team, and they look like they're leaking oil a little bit. So I would throw Seattle um, into that mix. All right, so we'll get a timeout, and we're going to come back, and we're going to dive hard into the uh, you know any the any news and notes NFL wise. And one of the things we will get into next segment is if you have one game to win, got to choose a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, a tight end, a linebacker, a corner, and a safety and an edge rusher. Who are you choosing? Who are you choosing? So we'll do that when we come back. In addition, to all the uh, all the day to day stuff with the NFL. He's Bill. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let me tell you about Flynn Tree Services. They're an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face, and they are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Grossinger is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Yes, we are. We're hanging out with you on this Wednesday. We appreciate you hanging with us. It's Bill Calarillo. I am Rob Ellis. You can catch Bill, of course, each and every Monday through Friday, uh, leading right into our program. Does an awesome job uh, with the Philly Sports Power Hour. That is uh, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. He's also the host of Legal Hands to the Face, and you can follow Bill on Twitter at Bill Calarillo. All right. Uh, so a couple things, Bill. The 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 never-ending drama that is the New York Jets. You, you know, you think this is actually a good team, the, as much as we talk about them, right? But they suck. Um, so there was the story yesterday that comes out that Zach Wilson, they went back to him, and he was basically hesitant to go back to playing. And that started a firestorm. Aaron Rodgers stuck up for him on the Pat McAfee show and, you know, ripped people who were, who were putting leaks out about the organization, you know, blah, blah, blah. So who knows? Who knows what's what, where this came from? Um, but the bottom line is, after all of these, you know, wranglings and machinations, he is going to start on Sunday. Like it really makes any difference uh, yeah, exactly. in the outcome of the game, but he is for what it's worth. I just I don't know how long the New York Jets 
stay with Zach Wilson. I, I mean, you have to do something in the offseason, right? Can oh, he's come gone. back? He, he will absolutely not be a Jet next year. I don't know. I don't care what the financial, you know, uh, implications are. He's out. And, he's and out. I've said I've said this before, and, and I know it's not just the New York Jets, but all of the money that these professional teams invest in their scouting departments and in the draft analysis, how they get quarterbacks so wrong. And it sounded as if, at least leading up to the draft, and you never know, it's always misinformation being put out there, that the Eagles thought Zach Wilson was a good quarterback. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing how the quarterback position is really a tough position to decipher a good college quarterback versus a good professional quarterback. Well, the miss rate is so high because teams are so desperate. They overdraft quarterbacks all the time, which ends up, you know, you end up grabbing somebody with the fourth overall pick who really probably has no business being taken that high simply because of the position. And there's just, just you know, such a, a lack of, of quarterbacks. And for all the guys who turn out to be studs, for all the, you know, C.J. Strouds who are off to such great starts, there's so many Zach Wilsons too. It, it really, it's amazing. And that that's what makes what Brock Purdy's doing even more impressive, that he was the last pick in the draft. And I see Marcus Craig winning out and finishing 15-2. And and From your lips to God's ears, Marcus. <laughs> um, all right, so, uh, yeah, there's that. So we got that straightened out. All right, uh, beyond that, Trevor Lawrence, uh, it, status unknown. He's got a high ankle sprain which he hurt Monday night um, in that game. That looked bad when he officially went or when he first went down. It did not look good. And they were actually encouraged that that's all it was. But you know what those high ankle sprains, they're tricky. They play Cleveland this week, which is a you know an important game for both of those teams. Cleveland's trying to stay in it. And and the Jags are, are hoping that their shot at maybe a one seed isn't, isn't over completely. So big game. Yeah, and you said it, it looked bad, Rob. Do they not have a golf cart in Jacksonville? Yeah, what is that? Why did they make him limp all the way to the locker room? It was ridiculous. Like, get that guy on a damn cart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Very strange. Man. Yeah. Well, were you at the Super Bowl in, in Jacksonville? I was at the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, yes. I, I did I not go, but I, I have never been to that stadium. I heard it's it's not the greatest. It's, it's very uh, outdated. It's very... Uh, I could tell. All right, so here's what I can tell you. I watched the first half as a fan. I sat there with my dad and watched the game for the first half. I was working for Comcast Sportsnet. I I watched the second half on the field of that game. I was actually right by Greg Lewis when he caught the touchdown pass. If you remember, yes, in the end zone. Uh, I was in the back of the end zone, but um, it was the bath. The, the it took. You know how long Super Bowl half times are? Yes. Okay, that's how long it took just to get into the bathroom and use the facility. All right. And I was going number one, by the way, it took the whole halftime. Uh, traffic was gridlock the entire week. I was down there for, for eight days, the entire week, the infrastructure of the city was not ready for a Super Bowl, And the stadium is very outdated. It looks like, it looks like something you would see in the eighties or, or like nineties, yeah. early nineties. That's what it looked like. No, I'll tell you a stadium that's not outdated. I was at the Super Bowl in Minnesota. What a stadium that is, man. Really? Did, did I, he, I heard it was incredible. Oh man, it, it's it was unbelievable. I mean, it looks like this. It looks like a Viking ship from the outside. How you know how massive it is, and then you walk in and it's just beautiful. Now look, Minnesota for a Super Bowl destination, 
in February, <laughs> not the best place to be. It was like negative 10 at one point when we were outside there. And everybody said, oh, well, you could use the, the skyways. Yeah, the tunnels, yeah. You know how hard it was to freaking figure out how to get places on those skyways? And then what they don't tell you is they close them at certain times at night. So, like, if you went out to a late dinner, you think you're going to take the skyways back. At a certain point, it's closed, and you're like, oh, man, I got to go outside. And it was cold. Oh, yeah, I got – Indianapolis is like that, too. They have the skyways. So I went down to cover the combine after the Eagles won it. So it was 18. And I'm thinking, what am I walking into, man? Like, it is going to be freaking free. I got lucky. It was like in the 50s every yeah, day. Nice. Yeah, and it was it was walkable. It was crazy. But it's but just yeah. a completely different feel like for the Super Bowl because I've been lucky enough. I've gone to two Super Bowls. I went to Super Bowl 52, yep. Eagles won, and then I went Super Bowl 53 down in Miami when okay. the Chiefs beat the 49ers. And it's just a completely different feel from a fan experience being in nice weather. Everything's outside. It's mm. exciting. For Minnesota, man, it was everything had to be indoors. But hey, I won't wouldn't trade that for the world. One of the coolest experiences ever to watch the Eagles win a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's just flat out unbelievable. I mean, it's it's a once once in a lifetime, you know. And if you can take advantage of it, you can you can get there. Do it, do it, man. Um, all right, so we don't know if it's not him. It's C.J. Beathard uh, who would go for the for the Jags. Your guy, your guy gets the nod, Bill. Tommy D. Tommy D. Tommy Cutlets, baby. <laughs> he's starting. He's staying. Tyrod Taylor is is healthy and ready to roll, but he's won two out of his last three, and Ryan Dable's going with Tommy D. So it's Tommy nice, D. too, though. It, it, it's nice that Tommy Cutlets is playing for a team like the New York Giants, who you know, would have worked here in Philly. Yeah. It would have been a big waste of a nice paisan if he played in, like, somewhere in the Midwest. Midwest. Yeah, <laughs> Cleveland wouldn't work for him. Yeah. No. I agree with you. Uh, uh, Shaq Leonard will wear number 50. It, so if you're watching on th- uh, Sunday evening, look for 50. That's going to be Shaq Leonard. Uh, he's answering questions. I'll give you any updates on what he says. Uh, you know, he says it's the whole process has been pretty crazy. You know, I guess no real surprise there. But uh, also Jalen Hurts speaking. So I'll update you on whatever he says as well. All right, a couple other things. Uh, the Steelers, both TJ Watt and the Steelers coaching staff, staff and organization are extremely frustrated with what they view as hack-a-shack on TJ Watt as regards to holds. They feel like he's being held you know, at a more frequent rate than others uh, coming off the edge. And it's just not called simply because they do it so much. Like Teams are viewing it as, we got nothing to lose, let's hold them. If it's called, okay. If it's not, it's not. And they're, they're reaching out to the league to see if they can get more holding calls. Uh, on him interesting i mean sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the oil so i mean it can't hurt for them putting that out there publicly because not only have they reached out to the league they obviously leaked that information did that come from tomlin or was that leaked no that was the their their defensive coordinate coordinator austin used the hack-a-shack reference so they're publicly saying it these aren't leaks yeah yeah smart i mean it it can't hurt and i agree sure look I'm sure he's getting held. The yeah. guy's an absolute beast. It's crazy. This is what I, I always look at. You talk about, obviously, you put in a lot of work to get to this level of play. You have to, to get to the NFL. But, man, does genetics play a big part in some of these guys. You see, 
J.J. Watt, one of the best defensive players ever, and his brother is one of the best defensive players ever. Nick Bosa and his brother, Joey yep. Bosa. It's crazy, man. It is. It is. Not all men are created equal. No, uh, they that, are not. That's the truth. All right. So uh, Von Miller um, will, at least for right now, not be placed on the commissioner's exempt list, which means uh, he is eligible to play. Uh, this Sunday, they're coming off of a bye. And it looks as though he will be playing for the Bills. Now, if you put his off-the-field stuff aside for a minute, since coming back from that knee injury, he has not played good football for them. Um, but, you know, obviously, if you were the Bills and you're just looking at this strictly from a football standpoint, you'd rather have Von Miller than not have him. So uh, I think if anything further comes out on this alleged domestic abuse case, He's probably going bye-bye for the rest of the year, but he's as of right now, he's still he's still playing. So and you're right, he just hasn't looked like the same guy at yeah. all. So if there's any backlash for the Buffalo Bills, it's not a tough decision. I mean, it shouldn't be a tough decision anyway, you know, right. even if he was playing well, but this isn't really having any impact on the field either. So you don't want that type of drama coming into your locker room. Oh. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with you. It's the last thing. It, it, it's actually they, they've had a, they're another one, man. When we talked about it, like they've had a, they've had a rough year on a lot of fronts. They have had injuries to deal with. They've underachieved a little bit, um, you know, and then stuff like this. There's always it's only a matter of time where you haven't heard much noise from Stefan Diggs recently. I mean, it seems like that comes every couple of weeks as well, where there's yeah. Stefan Diggs isn't happy and you know he wants out, so. Yeah, uh, it, it, that if things continue to go bad badly in Buffalo, there's going to be a lot of drama this offseason, I think. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. It's certainly with the expectation that they had. Um, all right, so a couple other things. This was interesting. We were talking about the Panthers a little bit earlier. Did you see this report where um, it was basically the, the analogy that was used was – it. What was going on behind the scenes with the Panthers was like the Hunger Games, where it was like every man for himself. Apparently, like assistant coaches were reaching out to Tepper, the owner, and you know, saying, like, this is a disaster. This thing's poorly run. It's not me, it's him, finger pointing, all this other stuff. Reich got wind of it, and there were issues with him and the coaching staff behind the scenes. And you know, and all the while. You know, Bryce Young's probably like, dude, can we like what is happening? Can we just play football? I didn't I didn't go through any of this at Alabama, but apparently there was a lot of internal strife. I think I think this owner breeds this crap personally, but you know, it, it's not something you thought you'd be seeing from a Frank Reich run ship. No, and you do. You have to look at well, what's the common theme been over the last few years in Carolina, and it's the owner. Yeah. So I do agree with you. He's probably the one that's allowing this type of stuff to go on. But yeah, I haven't read that story yet. I'm going to look for it. But it does make you feel a little bit for Bryce Young because making the transition from college to the NFL as a quarterback is difficult for anyone, even in a normal situation. And now you got this guy dealing with that type of stuff. Maybe that's part of the reason why Bryce Young hasn't looked as good as a lot of people thought he would be. But it's surprising with Frank Reich, too. You wouldn't expect that at all. And he picked his staff. I don't think he was given these guys, right? He put that staff together. So. Correct. And you also had Deuce Staley, which is a strong individual who seemed to do a lot of good things here when he was with Philadelphia. 
So it's it's very surprising. Yeah, it is. It is very. It's it's tough to to figure out exactly what is what is what's what there uh, with that team for sure. Just a mess. Uh, the Vikings will go with Josh Dobbs. You remember before uh, the bye, they had the bye last week. Um, Kevin O'Connell said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna play whoever can connect, essentially connect best with Justin Jefferson, who's coming back." But he feels like Dobbs. I, I think Dobbs is the best option uh, for that as well. And um, big game for them. They're playing the uh, the Raiders. So both teams coming off a bye. Both teams have lost two straight. Raiders are five and seven. The Vikings are six and six. But if the season ended right now, the Vikings are in. So they need this win badly. They do need this win. And I think that's the right decision going with Josh Dobbs. But I'm hopeful because I like Josh Dobbs. I pull for him. And I'm hopeful that Kevin O'Connell took the bye week to develop a little bit more of an offensive game plan that plays to Josh Dobbs' skill set. Instead of trying to fit Josh Dobbs into your offense, create some things that really take advantage of what Josh Dobbs is good at because he is a different quarterback than Kirk Cousins. So hopefully you mentioned Kevin O'Connell is be, is a good coach. Well, we'll see what type of offensive game plan he could put together. But, yeah, it's just it's crazy the parity in this league, Rob. I mean, you look at the bottom outside of the top couple of teams and you look at those wild card teams in both conferences. And it's amazing. The teams that are still in the mix, the Vikings would make the playoffs today at six and six. The Packers would make the playoffs. You fall off a cliff after the top three. You really really do three, three or four. It really does. But look, the NFL, it's all about money. They got that third wild card game now from from each conference, so it's going to uh, obviously bring in more TV dollars. And you know, today in history, Rob. Oh today yes, in, today yeah. in history, Pete Rizal died, December sixth, nineteen ninety six. Pete wow. Rizal, who was the NFL commissioner for almost thirty years, hmm. and gets a lot of credit for getting to the getting the NFL to where it is today in terms of how big of a sport it's become. And we talk about TV money and all that. Pete Rizal had a lot to do with it. He's a titan uh, in the history of the NFL in terms of its growth. Uh, you know, into the TV era. Uh, the, the partnership with NFL films went a long way to that. Uh, but he was a great commissioner. He made, look, he, and by his own admission, he made a mistake after Kennedy got assassinated in 63, he played that Sunday. And he said, if he could have done that over again, he would have. But but if you look at most of his moves, I mean, they were absolutely brilliant, uh, what he did as a commissioner. So it's amazing. I was reading about him today because I do that today in sports history. And he was only 33 years old when he got the NFL commissioner job crazy man makes yeah, me feel yeah. bad about myself <laughs> yeah don't don't go down the road of what some people did at a very young age you, yeah. you will yeah you will feel bad well i'm not young anymore but i'm thinking man when i was 33 yeah i, I know i trust me i hear you um uh, a couple other things here just to reiterate we were talking about it a little bit earlier mike mccarthy had appendicitis he's having surgery today they're hoping he'll get out later today and he's also targeting coaching the game on Sunday night. Um, but in the, in, in his stead, it will be um, Dan Quinn. It will be uh, Schottenheimer and it will be John Fossil, who are the coordinators who will be running the show for the Cowboys at practice this week while he's, uh, he's out of commission for a little bit. Uh, if you didn't hear that one. All right. So a couple other uh, odds and ends here, the offensive player of the week in the NFC Debo Samuel, no surprise. We saw it up close and personal. Um, 
absolutely killed the Eagles. The uh, the offensive player of the week in the AFC, very very earned. Uh, Jake Browning, Jake Browning, the quarterback for the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, he was absolutely awesome. Uh, Derek Stingley gets the AFC defensive player of the week, and Antonio or Antoine Win- Winfield Jr. gets the defensive player of the week in the NFC. So they're your award winners. No. No Eagles on that list this week. Uh, they were on a run early in the season. It ain't happening this week. And we were just talking about genetics. There we go again. Antoine Winfield Jr., right? Yep. It's just amazing how much how much that plays. But, yeah, it's so frustrating to me that Debo Samuel talked trash, and, man, did he back it up, Rob. Mm-hmm. Did he back it up? And now even more so NFC Offensive Player of the Week. You just have to hope that this Eagles team takes all of this and brings it to the NFC Championship game if we get that rematch. That's what I keep hoping, how much sweeter it would be. And I talked about it on my show this morning. I can't stand this NBA Cup. We didn't really talk about it here. I just Let's think talk it's, about it. We can talk about it. I, I just think it's ridiculous. But I was, you know, all the 49ers fans who were trolling, I said, well, just like there's this in-season NBA championship, well, the 49ers won the in-season championship. Congratulations. But it was only one game. They look great. Yeah. Not taking anything away from them. But – We've seen being the best team in the NFL at week 13, and it doesn't always get you that Lombardi trophy. You go back to those Andy Reid days, usually they were the best team in the league around week 13, week 14, but we never got to that Lombardi under Reid. But we'll switch to the NBA Cup for a second. This is what I just don't like about it. Did you see who now the final four is? In, in the NBA Cup. Like, is this supposed to, to get us excited? You got the, the Lakers, Lakers and the Pelicans, Pelicans coming out of the West. Is it Pacers? The Pacers and the Bucks, two good teams. Look, yep. Pacers, Halliburton's a real good young player, Start. man. Really good. And the Bucks, obviously, they're good. Today's the Greek Freak, Greek Freak's birthday, actually. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's just – here's what I don't like. You know that this script is being written, Rob – that LeBron James is going to win the first ever NBA Cup. Yep. And then we're going to have to hear, well, Jordan never won an NBA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but I just can't stand it. It's like I, I was so relieved that the Philadelphia 76ers were eliminated. They got bounced early. Yeah. Because I said the worst thing that would happen is if we have to sit here as Philadelphia fans and be conflicted about whether or not we're supposed to be excited when Joel Embiid holds up that NBA Cup, it's right. we've never been able to get out, out of the second round, but are we supposed to be excited now that they won this fake tournament that got created for the middle of the season? You know, so two things off of that. One, I just can't put weight into, a, a, you know, a regular season game meaning more than another regular season game. It just doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't say this is, oh, this game's critical. And, and no, it just, it just, it doesn't do it for me, right? Number one. And we, you know what the reaction would be. Let's say if the Sixers won the in-season tournament, it would be big freaking deal. What do you do in the real playoffs? That's how Philadelphia fans would react to this. No, again, no parade, no parade down Broad Street. No, no, Cup? not quite. Maybe you get one right in front of the facility in Camden. Maybe. I don't I don't even know. But um, I think that I don't really fault leagues for trying things. I get it. Um, but I just I'm not interested. It just didn't do it for me. Uh, that's all I can tell you. And it, it's it's fine. I'm sure they're going to run it back next year. I'm sure there's some kind of financial gain to it. I'm sure it works well for them from a TV standpoint, but it just doesn't move move the needle for me at all in any way, shape, or form. 
Me either, and I agree with you. I mean, I give credit to the NBA for trying something, and they've been trying things over the last couple of years, implementing some rules about resting stars in certain games because it became ridiculous where, look, as fans, you get excited either to watch the game or you have tickets to a game, and then you show up and it's a rest day for you know all the stars. So, And I, I like that they're trying to do certain things. But, hey, they don't do it in the NHL. They don't have to do it in the NHL, 82-game NHL seasons. but And, you know, we talked a little bit about our Flyers yesterday. They go on the road tomorrow night against Arizona. But I'm just so excited, man. I'm just hoping we get playoff hockey back in this town. That's what I want to see. Uh, yeah, and you know what? There's a chance. There is. There is a chance that they end up, in, you know, as, as, you know, maybe a low seed or whatever. But Well, did you see they asked John Tortorella, who I think Tortorella is a great coach, like most NHL coaches, there's a short shelf life for them. Of, of any sport, they're they're in and out the quickest. Yeah. So, and even more so with Tortorella because of how hard he coaches these He's guys. He's an abrasive guy. Yeah. Can but they asked him after the game, kind of, you know, how do you guys keep winning these these close games? And I don't know if I could say this. I think you could say it on on YouTube. He said, you know, we got balls. You yeah. Know, we got balls, and and. You know, I, I just love that mentality that these Flyers play with, and that's Tortorella. That's what he brings to the, to the table. And I see New Jersey fishing maniac calling him Tortellini, another Paisan. A lot of Paisan. We got Sirianni, Dom DeSantis. That's right. That's right. Tortorella. <laughs> we got to change Rob's name. Rob Elicini. Elicio. Yes. <laughs> Elicio. There we go. Uh, no, I, I think, too, you know, it, it's interesting. I, the, I think what they're doing, one of the reasons why Tortorella is there Bill is. I, I don't know that he gets them to the finish line, but they're trying to set up a foundation. Like they're trying to do the opposite of what the Sixers did in this sense. They don't want to get these guys accustomed and okay with losing. They don't. They want them to have a foundation. And I think if you make them tough as babies, so to speak, what they are in the developmental stages, they're going to be tough hockey players moving forward. And somebody else might have to, you know, take the baton at some point, but they want the formative years with Tortorelli, a uh, Tortorella, Tortorelli. He's easier for me to say, but I yeah. think that's what they, that's what they're looking to do with, with Tortorella. That's what he's done. You know, a lot of different places, but he's, he's, he, you know, he's brought it home as well in other spots, but I think that's what it's about here. And I think that's the way to do it because you're right. When you have such a losing mentality, like the Sixers did through that process, it's not necessarily an easy thing to just flip the switch and say, okay, we're winners now. And I've been a part of both growing up, playing on teams who had a culture of always losing, and then on you go to a team that had a culture of always winning, and it is. It's it, it's addicting or contagious, I should yep. say, yep. that you go to a winning culture, you play better. You find ways to win, and when your teams are just used to losing, you find ways to lose. And mm -hmm. that was part of the thing now, switching it back to the Eagles, we're bouncing all around, is – Although they haven't been playing that great necessarily, we'd say, hey, well, they find ways to win. And I was saying, look, I'm not going to make excuses and say that they got lucky because good teams find ways to win games and bad teams find ways to lose them. And that is a real thing. So, yeah, let's hope the Flyers can maintain a winning culture while they go through this build back. So far, so good. Uh, there's no question about that. So far, so good. All right. Um one game to win game. That's what we're going to play. One game to win. And you got to choose one quarterback, one running back, one receiver, one tight end on the offensive side. We're going to skip the offensive line. One edge rusher, one linebacker, 
and I'm counting edge as, as more of a defensive line than a linebacker, but one edge, one linebacker, one corner, one safety, you know, one game to win. Give me your quarterback bill. And this is active players. Yes. We're not going back in. No, into the active, past. strictly active, active players. So, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I'd love to say Jalen Hurts, and it's close because he does want the ball in his hands in big moments, but how do you not go with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he's one of the, he's a generational talent, one of the best quarterbacks we may ever see play the game. So for me, wish I could say Hurts, but I got to give it to, to Pat. I went with Mahomes, too, even though I don't think he's having his best year. If I'm in a playoff setting and it comes down to it and, it's, and I get survival, I'll take that dude all day, every day. And if I had, I need a last drive where I got to get down the field quick. It's Mahomes all day, every day. I mean, it's, I think it's the ultimate measure of how you feel about somebody when you look at it in those terms. And I'll tell you, it's, I mean, I still have nightmares because you watch that Super Bowl last year and Ugh. Eagles are up 10 and then you see Mahomes roll his ankle, go limping off the field. And I remember getting so angry because all of my non-Eagles fans, because Eagles fans know better, but all of my non-Eagles fan friends started texting me. I must have gotten six texts from some of my college football buddies. It's over. Congratulations. Yeah. You won the Super Bowl. And you just saw what Patrick Mahomes can do, man. Even hurt, even down 10, never out of it. And I told you I was at that other Super Bowl where the Chiefs beat the Niners. I think they were down 10 in that Super Bowl as well to Kyle Shanahan and came back and won. So definitely Mahomes, he's the guy. All right, I'll grab the running back. I'm going to take McCaffrey simply because he can do so much for you. Whether it's run the ball, catch the ball. He had a couple years there where he was banged up at the end in Carolina, but the years when he's been healthy, he's been the most dominant running back in football, and, it, and it's really not close in terms of being a two-way back. So I'll take McCaffrey for my running back. Who are you going with? We're two for two together, Rob. It's got to be Christian McCaffrey. You know, in the offseason, there was all that talk from the other running backs who weren't getting paid because there was a lot of them who didn't get the big paydays they thought they were going to get. Some running backs had to take pay cuts just to stay where they are. But a guy who got paid was McCaffrey simply because he's more than just a running back. He's one of the best receivers in the league. If he played wide receiver, he'd be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He does it all, and he does it right. And all he does is score touchdowns. And you saw, I talked to Kayla Santiago earlier on my show about Brock Purdy being the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. And I thought right. she made a great point saying she didn't think it should be Brock Purdy because he's not even the best player on his team. It's Christian McCaffrey and that McCaffrey should be number one for MVP because the whole offense runs through him. And she's right. McCaffrey's mm -hmm. that good. Yep. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Uh, all right. Uh, you get first crack at your receiver. So this one's interesting because we're talking about you need to win the game. You got to go to one guy and who you're going to go to. And I may get called a homer on this one, but I'm going to A.J. Brown. Not, not, I'm not saying that he is better than Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill's the guy I'm going to if I need to win on a long ball, on a deep play. But that's not what we're saying here. We need one big catch. I'm going A.J. Brown because I think he's the guy that can win the 50-50 balls way more than 50% of the time. So A.J. Brown's my wide receiver. All right, good choice. Good choice. Uh, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. I think he's the most complete receiver in the league. Uh, you know, certainly no arguing Tyree Kill's speed is just the ultimate take the top off guy um, and how great A.J. is. A.J. is just a monster. But I think Justin Jefferson, there there really isn't an, uh, too many shortcomings in his game. I, you know, we kind of – forgotten about him a little bit because he's been out for so long this season. 
Um, but you know, you watch even with a you know, guy like Josh Dobbs, who's you know basically a career backup. You watch how strong he, he he's going to look when he comes back here, especially if he's healthy with that hamstring. So, I'll take Justin Jefferson. Tight end, I'm going Kelsey, man. I'm still going Kelsey, and I know there's some young bucks threatening him, and and, and you know looking to kind of step in there, and he's not quite that same dude. But I need I need I need seven yards, and he's going to get me eight. I need a touchdown. I need somebody to make a play in the middle of the field. I'm taking Kelsey. How about you? I'm going Kelsey pre-Taylor Swift. I think his mind's all over the place now, man. No, nah, I'm kidding. I, I'm still going Travis Kelsey. He, he's he's one of the best that's ever done it. I'll tell, you know what throws me off about Kelsey is, you know, they're doing that Christmas album. I don't know if you, you saw that. And yeah, yeah. they got Travis Kelsey now on the album, and they showed some behind-the-scenes videos of him standing there singing, and he's in kind of like a, a tank top. I don't know if you saw that video. The guy looks like he never lifted a weight in his life. I know it was probably the offseason maybe when they recorded this. I could not believe looking at Travis Kelsey in a tank top saying, that's the best tight end that may have ever played yeah, but the you, game. Right. But you're, I mean, <laughs> if you look at early Tom Brady, you're like, what is this guy? Yeah, but different position. I get it with the quarterback sure. position. But like a tight end, you expect, you know, look like Antonio Gates and yeah, chisel, uh, Tony Gonzalez. You need to out of stone. Yeah, exactly. You know, even Dallas Goddard, not necessarily a muscular guy, but looks like he's in, in good shape. But yeah. I agree with you. Travis Kelsey's an absolute stud, man. And he's another guy that gives me nightmares simply because of the Super Bowl. Oh, I know. Uh, all right. You, you, can, you get the first nod on the defensive side. Who's your edge guy? This one's tough because there's a ton of good edge rushers. We talked about Micah Parsons. We've talked about Nick Bosa. But I'm going Miles Garrett, man. I mean, Miles Garrett is an absolute beast. And we talk about Travis Kelsey in a tank top looking like he's never worked out. Have you seen the, oh my the God. arms on Miles Garrett? It looks even, fake. even with some of these guys who look like they, you know, are Garrett looks like it, it, it looks like it looks fake. It looks like AI. It doesn't it even does. look real. It, it looks like they photoshopped it. But yeah, yeah, Miles Garrett has the ability to take over games. But you really can't go wrong with a lot of these edge rushers. But I'm going with Miles Garrett. That's a good choice. I- I'm going to go with the guy we referenced a little bit earlier. Uh, I got to go TJ Watt. Um, just the-, the motor is so relentless. I thought about Max Crosby, uh, who's another one who's just unbelievable. But I'm going to take TJ Watt just in terms of what-, what he's like the last five years. His production is unmatched. Um, and he's, he is a machine. You really look, you can't go wrong again with a lot of these guys. Whether if you want Garrett, you went Crosby, you went, you know, you went TJ Watt here. I'm going to go Watt just because I think he's been the best over the period of time since he's been playing in the league. Yeah. So I'll take him. Yeah. He's definitely, he's definitely a beast for sure. All right. Uh, linebacker. I'll go, uh, Fred Warner. I know it's, it still hurts Eagles fans. I know, but he is that guy. And there's so many different things that he can do. And he is so good. And he gets lost in the shuffle with Bose and some of the others on that side of the ball for San Fran. But I'm taking him all day. So this was close. I didn't know if I should go with Morrow or Christian Ellis or even Ben Van Sumer in here. But I agree with you. Fred Warner, we said it leading up to this game. He, he does it all. He's good against the run. He's good in pass coverage. He's a leader out there. And he's been doing it for a while. But I'll tell you. Only because he's getting later in his career that I'm not going with him. But Bobby Wagner is still playing high-level football. And it's amazing. And that was a guy I thought maybe the Eagles would have been interested in in the offseason. I know he went back to Seattle, and I don't know if he wanted to play anywhere else. But a lot of the talk was, well, what does he have left? 
Wagner's still playing at a high level. It's incredible. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you hundred percent. I, it's, it, I don't know why it didn't work in LA. I don't know what went down, but I'm, I'm sure Seattle is extremely pleased uh, that they got him back because he's been awesome for them. Um, all right, corner. You could first crack at corner. Ooh, this one's tough, man. Corner. Who do I want at corner? So, look, we, we talked about Deron Bland. I'm not taking him, even though he leads the league in interceptions, simply because he's too much of a liability. He's going to give up way too many too, way too many big plays. So the guy I would probably go with, he just got healthy. Man, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Miami Dolphins, defensive back. Just came back from injury. Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah, I'm going, with, I'm going with Jalen Ramsey. I think he's shown he's an absolute playmaker back there and can shut people down. Good choice. I, I'm going Sauce Gardner. Um, you, you know, and again, Jets are going nowhere fast, but it's not it's not because of what he's done. He's, he he established himself right away last year uh, as just an absolute beast. So I'm, I'm taking him. I'm going to take Sauce Gardner all day, and he's just going to get better and better and better. He hasn't even reached anywhere near the peak of what he's going to be. Uh, for sure. All right. Lastly, you get a safety choice. Uh, if you want me to go first, I'll go first. Sure. Go hard. You go first. I, I, I'll take Bates, who is now Jeremy Bates, who's now in Atlanta. Um, he was in Cincinnati and he was a, it was a stud there. It was a, they paid a lot for him for a safety, but he's been awesome in Atlanta. And, you know, he, he's certainly not the reason why they haven't had uh, a great year. So I will take uh, I'll take Bates all day. How about you? So he's hurt now but I would still maybe go with him is the 49er safety. And I always oh, mess Hufunga. up his name. Hufunga. Yeah. Hufunga. Telenoa Hafunga. Yep. Um, really good. I mean, played, had a great season last year, was having a decent year this year. Unfortunately he got hurt, but I think I'd probably would still go with him. And then I see some people in the chat talking about the defensive player of the week, Antoine Winfield jr. But I'm not taking him over those other guys, but he is very good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good choices. Good choices. Fun. It's always fun to play those, uh, yeah. Do those little exercises right there and see who uh, who you would end up taking. All right, let, let's get a timeout in here. We'll come back. I'll give you a little Phillies update. Nothing to do with Jock Peterson, but actually a, a Bryce Harper uh, news item. We'll talk about that. A former Philly looks like he's close to signing elsewhere. And the Sixers, after five days off, are back at it tonight at Washington and appear to be very healthy uh, going into the game. So we'll discuss all those things. When we come back, don't go anywhere. That's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving him up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Rolling into the final segment of the show, Rob Ellis and Bill Colorado Sports Take. All right, so yeah, the Jock Peterson thing I see people asking in the chat was bogus. There, the, the there were reports because he posted a picture of himself in the Fanatic that he was signing with the Phillies. He was trying to send a message, but he wasn't. Uh, so he is not the Phillies. In fact, according to multiple reports, have not even spoken to him. So no, that's not what's going on. Um, but Scott Boris, who is Bryce Harper's agent allegedly wants an extension for Bryce Harper that will keep him a Philly his entire career. There's still like 10 deal. years left on that deal. He signed a 13-year deal. Extension. What? What What am I missing here? I mean, won't he be like 40-ish when this thing ends? Give or take? Yeah, this is this is a nice way of saying I want more money. Yeah. It's uh, he's outperformed the contract is what it is. Yeah. Wow. I, just, I mean, I'm I love Bryce. I'm sorry. Same, but this is a little. No, bit. thank you. Yeah. Now the Phillies could do something to bump him up, maybe in the in the these you know, the prime years of his career. So it looks couple, for the but, next four or five years or whatever. But man, no shot. It, it looks like, Rob, the 13-year deal would bring him to 38 years old, and he's saying he wants to play into his 40s. Come on, man. I, I mean, come on. Really? Eight years left on it, right? Yeah, maybe more, because he signed in He signed in 2019. So he signed in 2019, and it was a 13-year deal. So nine nine years on it? No, you're right. Eight years. Eight years. My God. Okay. This is what I'm, I think may that may end up happening is they, they'll just bump up the money 
in these in again in his prime years, the next five years or whatever of his career. Maybe that happens. I'm not adding any more years to this. Sorry. Don't sign a 13-year deal then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no. No, Scott Boris. I know you think you run the game, but this isn't happening. Gotta put your foot down some way. Uh, I, I just I don't like it, man. I don't I just don't like it because you just don't want there to be any any drama or anything like that. But I man, know. You know, I thought that maybe towards the end of the contract that it would be the Phillies who would be saying, hey, look, 13 years and, and Bryce's game starts to decline and then maybe something happens. But for him to ask for it now. <laughs> yeah, weird, weird. Uh, can't, what I, but I wouldn't put anything past Boris. So I'm not, I can't say I'm shocked by any stretch. Uh, elsewhere, staying with baseball, just uh, you knew he wasn't coming back here. But um looks like Craig Kimbrell close to signing a one-year deal with the Orioles. No problem. You got him. <laughs> yeah. No Thank problem, you. Craig. Thanks for the service during the regular season. Uh, yeah. Time to move on. I will be interested to see if the Phillies go outside or just promote from within um, with the closer spot. I mean, they don't really like the defining role of a closer. They like best matchup in high leverage innings in the back end. But let's face it, Kimbrough got more opportunities late than anybody else. So somebody will be the de facto closer. I just don't know if it's going to come from the outside or or inside. Yeah, still a long time until spring training. So I'm curious to see what they do there. But yeah, that really came back to bite them in the playoffs. And we talked about Rob Thompson a little bit yesterday. Hopefully he won't stick with guys for too long and stay loyal to guys for too long because – that really hurt us with him staying so loyal to Kimbrel. Yeah, I'm hoping, and I, as I mentioned to you, the the fact that he brought it up tells me he may be looking, or he was told to look at these situations a little bit differently. You know, he, he one of could have gone one of two ways: either he feels that way, or someone said to him, "My man, next time we don't want to be going that route again." Um, that's for sure. All right, uh, Sixers, Sixers back at it tonight. They're twelve and seven on the season. Uh, they'll play Washington, who is perennially a, a dumpster fire, bad team. Um, and they're as healthy as they've been all year. They, they, they're they going to have, it looks like, barring any kind of late stuff, they're going to have everybody tonight, including Ubre. So they should be firing on all cylinders tonight, should the Sixers, because they are extremely well-rested. Should be a blowout, Rob. Yeah. I mean, the, the Washington Wizards are not on their level. Wizards haven't been good all season. Sixers, are they ever good? No. You know, really, at best, they're mediocre. I know. I still, still remember Michael Jordan in a Washington oh, Wizards. That should have never happened. Talk about you know, there's some endings that should never yeah. have been. Yeah, like you know, you you think back of Montana in a 49ers uniform, but he had success when he went to Kansas Chiefs. City. Yeah, 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 he, yeah, he had success there. I actually started following the Chiefs when I was a little kid because I liked him, and yeah. you know, they they did okay. JJ Jordan yeah. at wide receiver. Yeah, but yeah, the Washington Wizards they always stink, but. You're right. Five day rest. Hopefully Embiid's back. Hopefully Maxi's back. Ubre's back. And I didn't realize that Ubre, in the first eight games of the year, he was averaging over 16 points a game. So he does add some offense to this team. But yeah, tonight should be a blowout. I'm expecting it. He was. He was. Yeah. He added great scoring punch for them. He was really good for them uh, in that sense. So yeah, they'll get. They're ten and a half point favorites on the road. That that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. In Vegas feels the same way that you feel like they should, uh, they should blow them out. But yeah, we mentioned that uh, flyers who are playing very good hockey and had taken two straight 
from Pittsburgh, and they uh, they're back at it tomorrow uh, at Arizona. They go on a West Coast swing at Arizona at Colorado. Uh, I don't think consider Nashville uh, the West more the South, but they're on a three game road trip. Let's put it that way at Arizona at Colorado at Nashville uh, for the Flyers, who were nice little pleasant surprise. I don't I don't know that people are quite back yet, and I'll blame them, but I don't think they're quite back yet, Bill. Uh, on the Flyers. It's going to take a little bit more than this. Yeah, but they should. They should. The guys are playing hard. Like I said, I, I've said this before. You can't get ahead of yourself and think this team is going to win a Stanley Cup. You know, if you go into it with your expectations low, but just know you're actually going to see some good hockey, some competitive hockey. And it's nice, too, because these, even though they're on this, it's not really a West Coast road trip. You don't have these late games. There's not going to be like these 1030 games. But I think it's like a nine o'clock start. I don't mind that. Nice little no. nine o'clock start. Nine's kids, fine. Yeah. Kids are in bed and yeah. you could watch you could watch the game. But yeah, don't get too crazy. This isn't a Stanley Cup team, but maybe we have some playoffs back in South Philly. That's what I want. Yeah, that'd be nice. All right, Shaq Leonard, back to him. Uh, he suggested the decision to come to Philly had much to do with the bond that he built with Nick Sirianni in Indy. Wants to prove uh, to himself he can still play, and he's still not quite over the shock of what went down, you know, with the Colts that he's not there. So it's, you know, I believe he feels like he's got a lot to prove, and he probably believes he's got a lot of gas left in the tank. I don't know. This is this is a big wait and see for me. I'm I'm skeptical. Because I just don't think a, a I, I would feel less skeptical, Bill, if the Colts were completely out of it and just dumping guys like the like Washington was doing. Then I'd look at it differently. This this team has still had a lot to play for. Yeah, and, and the fact that they didn't trade him for anybody like, or any draft capital or anything, the fact that they just cut him makes me concerned. But what I'm hoping is I'm trying to remember what year it was. It wasn't this late into the season, but I remember Jeremiah Trotter getting released. And then coming back, yeah, and actually did have a little bit left in the tank, and really helped the 04 season. Yeah, I think it may have been, and he yeah. really helped solidify that defense. Again, wasn't this late in the season? I think it was in training camp where he got released. Was it by Washington yes. that released him? Yes. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe it's a similar feel where Shaq Leonard can come in and contribute. And we said this yesterday. It's it's better than what you're. It's better than what you're getting. But I want to just respond. Jim G, I think he asked this yesterday, too. So I want to respond to it. Said, would you trade Travis Konechny and Travis Sanheim now since their trade value may never be higher? I wouldn't, Jim G, because I don't want to just unload every talented player to just keep acquiring draft capital. I think you have to have some good players to build around. And these guys aren't old. Do you think Konechny's 26, I believe? Sanheim's 27. And these guys are pieces that I think you can build around with some other young talent. So I wouldn't unload those guys. I don't know about Rob. What I wouldn't either. I, I, I offer your point because I think they're too young and they're still guys you can build with going forward. What about somebody like Couturier? We know what a good player he's been, and he's had a lot of injuries, which may hurt his market, right, when you have a major back surgery, et cetera. But was he a guy you would look at because he does a lot for you? He's a two-way player. He just got back on the power play. Uh, and the penalty kill, like he's, he's he wasn't on special teams earlier in the year. But what would you do with him? Man, it's it's amazing because I think he came into the league. What was he? Eighteen years old his it's rookie crazy. season. Yeah, and he's still on the Flyers, and he's thirty now. So this has been twelve years now. We've seen Sean Couturier really grow up. I remember when he was living in Danny Briere's house over in Haddonfield, 
And I'd go to dinner sometimes in Haddonfield and you see Danny Briere come in with what looked like his son and it was Sean Couturier. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. That's a tough one for me just because of you, know, you do need leaders, but you're you're probably not going to be the team that's competing for a Stanley Cup and Couturier being to the level of play that he was. So maybe if the deal was right, maybe I would consider it because you don't want to make the same mistake you made with Giroux. They held on to Giroux for a little bit too long. Probably should have traded him a couple seasons ago. But I don't know. That's a tough one for me, Rob. I'm not sure if I would get rid of Sean or not. Okay. All right. Uh, I, before we roll on out of here, we got we got a little bit of time left. You see Norman Lear died. Norman Lear was the guy who created All in the Family, the Jefferson, Sanford and Son, Good Times, among others. Like this guy was a kingpin. It was 101 years old, by the way. But he created and produced all of those shows. And it was interesting. Not only were they massive hits, all of them, but they were sitcoms, comedies that really made you think. Like, he was not afraid to explore and attack things like others didn't get near during that time. Race, uh, you know, uh, gender relations, you know, you name it, across the board. He went after it. This guy really was impactful in the entertainment business. And... So I don't know him. It's probably before my time. I would just yeah. say he probably would have been canceled very quickly in today's society. Without a <laughs> no, no, without a, especially in network. Like you can't do anything network wise. You can, you know, uh, streaming obviously, Apple, uh, you know, uh, Prime, Netflix, even HBO. That's where all the, the the really edgy stuff comes from now. Most of the most of the stuff on networks is very, you know, flatline, middle America. We're not doing going to do anything controversial, you know, that's for sure. So you mentioned sitcom, you mentioned HBO. So I watched yeah. the first episode of a new show last night on HBO called Bookie with Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a big Maniscalco fan. I am too. But I like him doing stand-up. I'm not yeah. sure how much I like him as an actor yet. I only watched one episode, but it was good. I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch episode two. It's called Bookie on HBO. Is he the bookie or is he's he a the, gambler? He's the bookie. I got to check that out. HBO. Okay. Yeah. Right, it's good to know. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for something. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really glommed on to anything in a while. I'm trying to think of the last thing that I watched like from a series perspective. Yeah, I watched the morning show, which I didn't love necessarily this year. It's Jennifer Aniston, and it, I think it was their third or fourth year. It was got very PC. Um, yeah, Ted Lasso, a couple others here and there, but that's that's not bad. That's so not my, bad. my fiance had never seen some of the really good ones, so I went back and watched them. Like she never saw The Sopranos, we watched that. Oh, okay. she, she never saw Game of Thrones, we went and back and watched that. Breaking so Bad, I did, Breaking Bad, she never saw. Man, I've seen that like three times. I Same. love, I love Same. Breaking Bad. Can't but. get enough. Uh, all right, Bill, listen, appreciate you hopping in for Tone, uh, who has been hopping in for Derek. But we appreciate you uh, doing double duty, man, uh, the last couple of dates. Tone's coming back tomorrow. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate it, man. I'm going to miss you tomorrow. Not I know, man. There. I know. I know. But, no, we, we, we really do. You're doing a great job on the uh, on the channel as well. So thanks to Bill. I uh, want to thank Xander uh, Krause for producing the program. Everybody in the chat, good contributions as always, folks. Um, and to everybody streaming, everybody listening. Uh, keep it up. Tell friends, subscribe, hit the like button, uh, all of that good stuff. And uh, don't go anywhere because we have the national football show with Dan Cilio coming your way next. I'll be back with you guys and tone tomorrow at the same time. Bill, we'll see you tomorrow at 10. Uh, and we're looking forward to that as well. So have a great rest of your day, uh, buddy. And everybody have a great rest of your day. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are sports take.
E-A-G-L-E-S Eagle